What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 42nd draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside my BFCA buddy, Eric Martin. Hey, Matt. How are you? I'm okay. How about you? I'm okay. I, I mean, we were we just finished recording our review for Loose. You guys can check that out right now if you'd like. Yep. Um, and On Untitled Movie Reviews, now available on all podcast services. Yeah, and as we were doing that, we just got to notice that uh, The Hunt right. has been canceled. You're jumping ahead to the news. I think we should but... talk about this because like, it just, it, like, not only, we're not a, a political podcast or what have you, but we also aren't, you know ignorant to what's going on in the world recently and i feel this kind of is a way to talk about both and yeah. kind of a um an interesting discussion again like we're not you know people that are always going to have you know maybe great philosophical insights or anything like that but no, but i feel like we i mean we can still chime in let me introduce the show and yeah. then let, let's get into that um if you guys didn't know if this is your first time joining us this is the untitled movie podcast each and every week eric and i get together and talk about what we've been watching uh what's going on in our lives what's going on in the news which we will talk about in one moment uh what you guys can watch at home and and a bunch of movie trailers and things like that if you guys like this um please subscribe please like it please rate it uh that would do us uh, a huge comment favor. as well comment Le- leading into tiff uh we're gonna have tons of coverage of tiff over on our other podcast which is the untitled movie reviews and on this channel um you guys can check out a review of loose which is up right now please subscribe to that as well rate love share all that jazz um but thank you all for joining us today um let's get into that yeah so eric you just brought up the news that literally just happened where universal has canceled the release of the hunt or postponed it however you want to kind of spin it um it's been a weird week yeah um we've had a couple i mean uh, we as a collective we as a, a, a planet i guess i can say i mean north americans we are closely attributed to the u.s a lot of the times even being in canada we're not immune to a lot of this stuff but obviously it doesn't happen here quite as often um but there was a couple mass shootings in the u.s in the last i mean there's some el paso and and, uh, dayton Dayton. not toledo yeah god um and then uh i mean it happens more and more often in the u.s and it seems like there's another one every couple days it was just horrible that it was literally one after another and 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 how do you take a moment to grieve for those that were horribly killed and then have another senseless mass shooting that could have been avoided and and you know with gun proper gun legislation but also you know the the president of the united states of america has been stoking uh racist uh hate mongering for the last um almost four years now and how ass backwards it is that you have an ice raid like the week after where you're taking uh parents of children while they're at school and like and not like denouncing these... white supremacy yeah. which and is like, so simple you're to going, do and people are like you're going and deporting and arresting people who work in fucking factories and at restaurants and you're taking them away from their children you're doing more to get rid of these fucking people who are who are, are truly are, are the people that are like, making uh, the economy work like they're then, the people that are doing the jobs that no one wants and then you're doing nothing when it comes to this shit and or I, treating the, the the people that are the shooters if you arrest them better than you would yeah, re- arresting photos. people of some color. of that stuff i feel like can be a little bit manipulative and like just based on you're taking two different photos at two different times and you're just putting them together to create a narrative that stuff i feel somewhere in the middle about like right. i feel like anything can be turned into anything if you just kind of pick 
pair convenient images together. But I'm not saying that that doesn't happen, but right. I'm saying like that. But the thing that bothers me the most is, yeah, what you said, we have this guy running the United States that's just a hate mongering piece of shit. And I have no problem saying that. And, um, and then going about like something where we talk about gun control in the United States and like how they spin it and deflect in these ways where they put it on violent video games, violent movies. And, um, and it deflects uh, what the real problem is and which like is what like the, the, the or root mental of, health they yeah. blame it on and things like this. Well, and when then, he said the, the word mentally ill monsters and like, it, it just bothered me so much because one, you know, like there's no correlation between white supremacy and mental illness. And then two, um, yeah, like him saying that, you know, video games are to blame and then Hollywood in general is racist. It's like you're just deflecting, you know, that you are the one that incited all of a lot of this. And you're the one person who can actually do something to fucking help this shit. And if you look at every other nation who also has violent movies and also has violent video games and also has mentally ill people, how many fucking countries have this fucking problem? There's no correlation between the two. In Canada, we've had what a couple shootings there was the one that happened on the danforth last year yeah horrible event and then the one and, in montreal at the mosque yeah and there's it's it's happened but it's if you look at every other fucking country that has banned assault rifles and different things like that these things don't happen as often because we don't have access to that right shit. or at least has made and the like, process has, has has created a um a vetting process that takes time because you look at the, you know... Uh, but that's for hunting rifles and things right. like that. I'm not talking about even handguns to an extent. If you want to protect your family and shit like that, I'm not even saying... But you can go to a Walmart in the U.S. and just buy one of these things, But right? an assault rifle. That's like, what I mean. I don't think at Walmart anymore because I was um, uh, doing a bit of research on it in the sense of I think Walmart did ban assault-style weapons. But you can still easily get those things at many other places, which is why this these people have had these... AK-47 style or like uh, assault rifles and again I might not be completely I don't know exactly because I don't fucking pay attention to guns because no one needs to own this shit right um, it's not like everybody's like well you know it's it, it's the right of our forefathers and 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 you know amendment rights well it's like when, like, when the amendments were created it was a different time yeah, you like, had to protect yourself from like yeah, yeah I, I, and the whole part of like law is that you're supposed to update it and they didn't have assault rifles ch- even back then yeah you're supposed to update it and change it based on the time and be progress yeah and be progressive that way and you know the GOP just doesn't give a shit and people like Mitch McConnell won't pass any of these bills that will actually make it harder for, you know, these, you know, skinheads to obtain these things. And usually Eric and I don't get like this, but like, it's just, it's so fucked. And from coming from someone who really passionately loves video games and film and entertainment, and I've been, I've been watching this shit since I was a child. And I'm not saying every person is like me and I'm not saying it, can never influence anyone i'm not saying that but these that this isn't the issue canceling the hunt is not is just a pr move from universal because they knew that like it's probably not the right time to release this movie in a month um walmart fucking sending a notice out to their employees that they're removing violent video game ads from their stores and demos, but they're still selling fucking guns makes no sense to me. Like it just, it's so ass backwards that I just don't, I just don't get it. I don't know. And like, it's, 
it's I don't like something like the hunt is not the issue, and I think provocative movies have have been around. And there's way but even look at the marketing now for a lot of these movies, not just the hunt, but like look at Jojo Rabbit, right? Where it yeah. has it has to tell you it's a satire. It's it, yeah, it's an anti hate satire, right? And so like it's it's so clear and obvious in the trailer, but we've gotten to that point now where you know you have to be that blunt about it. And right. you can't just like like with the hunt, like you can tell that it, it it's a social commentary. It's making fun of you know the 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 current culture we're in and the current climate. But it's like, but if people will use it now as this, oh, it's liberals shooting. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, it's it's liberal fantasy, and yeah. now this is the thing that is is warping the minds of impressionable uh, uh, Americans. You know, people that can be set off by a video game or a movie. And it's like, there is no correlation between the two. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculously fucked. So I, I don't want to spend too much more time on it. It's like, I, again, I think it is an important issue and there are smarter people than you and I probably yeah. discussing this and no offense to either of us, but right. um, that I just think coming from that entertainment angle, it's just, it's just ridiculous. Like, I don't think the hunt is the reason these fuckers are going out and shooting people. Like, it doesn't, like... No, it's it's, it's the rallies where Trump is saying things like, send her back, and, you know, saying, like, you know, panhandling deplorables uh, states are, yeah. are, you know, you can get away with certain things. And he, like, again... Yeah, mass shootings. Go back to your country to people... Right, who, like, right, right, right. Like, send her man. back, right? Like, yeah, exactly. And, 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 you know, like... Yes, shootings were, were like when Columbine happened, that was under the Clinton administration and there were shootings even under the Obama administration. But the amount of hatred and 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 cruelty that, that has, has bubbled up, yeah. to the surface since Trump went into power and a man who could easily just say these people what they're doing is wrong. This needs th- to there, stop. there is no place for it, but he no, he doesn't. He says there was there were problems on both sides. This is how it is. Violent blah, blah, blah. video games, yeah. bad movies. Yeah, Hollywood's racist, like <laughs> things like that. And it's like, no, you're the problem. You're the reason why all of this is happening. <laughs> and you could change it. And you're just, you don't care. You do not care. You don't even care where it happened. I mean, like that, what, you know, when he was reading the prompter, he truly was the Ron Burgundy of politics where like Toledo wasn't even in the fucking prompter. I just have no words anymore, really. I know. And I don't want to feel numb to it either, but I feel like there's a certain amount of, like, I'm not shocked anymore. I'm still disturbed by how quickly, you know, one after another happened, but, like, one after, you know, one shooting after another. But it's, like, I'm not surprised that there's this many shootings. And, what, this year there's been 250 documented yep. uh, shootings there's so that far great in the U.S. Tweet. There's that great tweet that lists the different countries and how many mass shootings there's been in every country. And the U S has 250. There's a couple countries that have two. I think Canada might be like have one or two. Right. Right. And then uh, there's another country that has one and then everyone else is zero. And they're like, what is the difference between that country that has 250 and all of these other that have under two? Right. Like, And, and look how New Zealand responded to their recent shooting. They banned, uh, assault weapons and 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 firearms that were yeah like non like I get I don't even agree with hunting all the time or anything like that but like I don't even like even to 
I hate saying this, but like meet in the middle kind of thing. Like not just ban guns outright. I don't even know as a Canadian. I know you can get a gun in Canada. Right. I have no fucking idea how it you shouldn't can do be that. a right. Though. I haven't seen. It's, it's you not have a to right. go to a specific store, and it's usually a hunting rifle or something like that that you right. purchase. I don't even think can you buy a handgun in Canada. I don't think so. No, no. Right. Uh, and like, my stepdad's a firearms yeah, officer, so yeah. no. It's it's I mean, it's much harder, and you actually have to go through background checks and just to get a hunting rifle right just a fucking hunting rifle which shoots what one round at a time or a couple rounds at like and it can still do obviously it can it can hurt people and you could do some damage with that but i mean usually like you said there's just for a hunting rifle you have to go through rounds and rounds to make sure that you are uh, capable of of owning this thing right yeah and then most of the guns that come into canada are legal united states weapons that are smuggled into canada and then sold illegally right? like it's like, harder it's just... to get a driver's license in the u.s yeah. than it is a gun it's <laughs> like so fucked it's so fucked i don't get it at all i, I just don't, don't understand i don't get it like do they think if like what do these people think like if all their guns are taken away that everyone's just gonna start killing them or hurting them or breaking into their yeah well the other will rise up and 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 take over like it's like give me a fucking break like you guys are like no nothing is going to happen and it's not a right like that's the thing like owning a gun is not a right like it's not it's not the same thing as like you know having shelter and food and water like that's not it's not a necessity to life that's so fucked man i don't know it is uh royally royally fucked so we'll see um if the hunt ever comes out i think it probably will yeah and and i mean like we were we were talking before we started recording as well i mean um you know warner brothers delayed the release of gangster squad after the shooting in in the theater uh for for the dark knight yeah um but they edited the one the movie theater scene out i I mean they can't edit really probably around (laughs) the hunt because the whole movie is about that is that yeah um but yeah, it'll it'll either end up on their streaming service the way that maybe like the interview did um, after you know they kind of pissed off uh, North Korea and then or it'll which was Sony and this is Universal yeah yeah right? and so. or Universal will eventually just release it maybe after things have kind of cooled down a little bit but it's January just a shame. Maybe? yeah January February maybe but um, you know like it's this is still isn't going to change like there's probably between and i don't want to think about it this way but like between now and you know next year there probably will be at least two or three more shootings and it's not this isn't going to change that's anything. on the low end probably yeah. right and that's just horrible to think of like here I, I we keep going but like hearing those stories of like people who survived the vegas shooting but then we're at the garlic festival shooting which was before this this was a, a couple weeks ago before this right and yeah. like surviving two mass shootings is fucking unbelievable. Like, how is that a thing that can happen? Um, so we'll keep you guys posted on, I mean, we're, we won't go into politics too, too much on this podcast. But we do want to review the hunt at some point when it does come out and yeah. we we're looking forward to it. I mean, I like Craig Zobel who, um, directed Z for Zachariah and great oh. world of sounds so. and, uh, Lindelof and, it was Carlton Cuse's son. Yeah, right? and I think Nick uh, Cruz. Nick, Nick Hughes, yeah. Hughes, so, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Um, yeah, I don't think these things are causing... We have many movies about murderers and, and things like that that are just... What, yeah. what is too far? I don't know. Right. I mean, like, we were making fun when we talked about... Um, when we 
when we first saw the trailer for the movie with Crawl, like we said, like you know, it's basically like the Condemned or something yeah, like that. And I didn't like... see anybody doing anything after the Condemned was released. Right. There's so... a lot more horrible shit out there when it yeah. comes to film. And again, I don't think anything should be off limits, but. I don't but think... a movie isn't going to like tell you to kill. Like it's not yeah. like that's not like no matter what kind of movie or or what the subject matter is, it's not. It doesn't have that power. And you also, know? you need to give these people the means to be able to do that. And yeah. then maybe that's the first reason. <laughs> like, it... yeah, you need to make you need to be harder on legislation uh, and gun laws. All right. Uh, other than that, uh, how you been? Well, Good? you know, fine, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Just considering all that, it's just, it's just like, I, I was also thinking a lot about it as well when you sent me the, um, the text that, uh, about, uh, doomsday prep and that like, you know, we have to like, <laughs> you're like, outing even, me even as the like people a... that aren't paranoid about it have to kind of be aware that, you know, humanity is going down the toilet and, you know, hearing things like that. I don't think it's the... too late yet, but like, I know I... either, but I feel like we're just doing nothing and not to say that like we're we're doing something, but... No, collective we. Right, yeah, the royal we. Um, and it just feels like, yeah, we, 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 we know where we're going. We can see it. <laughs> we can see the horrors that lie ahead, but we just don't care. You know, it's like, eh, we're going to get there anyways, so, so might as well just yeah. speed up the process. It's not our problem. It'll be the problem of the next generation. Yeah. Or like, but will it? Like, It could happen. I don't know. I keep weirdly, not to out me, as like becoming a doomsday prepper and shit like that. But I'm like... Just so horribly unprepared if something catastrophic was to happen where I'd be like, what the fuck would happen if, like, the internet shut down or, like, everything goes to shit? I'm like, I don't have any drinkable water or food if the grocery stores all get fucked. I'm like, I don't know, like, how to get in contact with my parents or how it – like, I was reading shit of being like, you should know how to, like – if I need to walk to fucking Oshawa or Whippy – to uh, meet up with my family because everything's shut down. Like, do I know how to do that? <laughs> right. Like, without a cell phone and shit like that. I rely so much on this stuff for like, or if I don't have drinkable water to wait for emergency stuff. We well, you have your toilet. Like, yeah. That's great. where you can get drinkable water. Cool. Um, uh, hey man. Yeah, you got You got to do what you got to do. Right. So, um, we'll keep you posted on the apocalypse here on, <laughs> we'll be on, podcasting in a bunker somewhere. Yeah, I know it's ridiculous. Uh, other than that, I haven't really been up to much this week. Um, we both last week, we can move into what we've been watching. Um, after the podcast last week, we went to see, uh, uh, once, once upon, upon a time, time in Hollywood in 70 millimeter at varsity, um, at varsity. Um, so right when we wrapped up recording, we uh, we got some Taco Bell, and then we uh, sure did, and then we went into that. Uh, Didn't upset my stomach as much as the milkshake. No, I mean my stomach's used to Taco Bell. I think it's there's not much real dairy in Taco Bell. I don't Bell, think there's so real there's much real, real anything. anything. <laughs> so um, it's just synthetic garbage. So uh, we had some delicious. We both got a Crunchwrap Supreme, yep. which is I think in the top tier of Taco Bell items. It's right. delicious. Well, if um, I mean we we've, we've talked about this before off air where I mean you mentioned it where like Taco Bell has succeeded in with like five <laughs> menu items and has like It only has four ingredients but they've managed to make a hundred things out of it yeah and then is... like if you watch we both like this youtube uh series called keith eats the menu from the try guys from the try guys uh keith hasburger and um 
he one of the episodes is Taco Bell. <laughs> More, most recently, he did a Pizza Hut one, and which Arby's. is really good in Arby's. Yeah, and every by the end of uh, every video, he just looks defeated. Yeah, and and certain places he has a bucket where he throws items into if they taste exactly the same. And Taco Bell, mostly everything was in the bucket because it literally is just. Once you add their beef, their cheese, and some toppings, it's no matter how you make them into a different shape, it just kind of tastes the same, right? Yeah. Um, but shout out to Taco Bell. It's great. And the reason why I wanted to, because I've talked about it during a review and when we talked about it, there's a beautiful shot of an old 1969 Taco Bell in the movie. So Yeah, in the third um, act. In the third act. Uh, what did you think about the 70 mil presentation? Um, I loved it. The thing I didn't like was uh, the reserved seating in yeah. Cinema 8 of Varsity because you had people coming in. As the movie was As starting. the movie was starting. As the movie, like well into the movie as well. Yeah. Like a good 10 minutes. You because had... people are so used to there being 20 minutes of commercials, right? Yeah. And, and also you had like people not knowing where to go. So you had a light and... on to look at seat numbers and people talking going where's our seat where's our seat like right beside you and then in varsity if you guys haven't been there in cinema eight it's one of the old school slanted theaters so everyone's like you're just slightly above their heads on each row yeah so you can basically see the 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 top of everybody's head because it's only slanted it's not stadium seating yeah right so i mean i like that old school theater but it does have problems with that and especially again like if you have people coming in and sort of trying to get through to their seat or, or find somewhere to go and um, and there's not much leg room so if someone needs to go into your row you have to stand up yeah too so it just fucks everyone's vision up in the whole theater because you're just standing in front of the screen but yeah the movie itself uh, was still great looked great I, on I, 70 mil i thought it yeah. looked excellent uh, i think i liked it better than the digital presentation even though i saw that light box which is an amazing spot to see that movie as well um i just thought it looked fantastic even though it's shot on 35 and blown up to 70 but it still looked fantastic there's just something not to sound like that fucking pretentious film person that oh film is so much better because like i was the i'm one of the first people that just it's not that i'm defeated or given up but i just embrace new technology and i understand why they've transitioned to to digital like it just of course they did, but there's something special about seeing a movie on film still, and maybe it's because we don't get it that often, or right. I do miss it of like when I worked at Cineplex and everything still was playing on 35 millimeter and stuff like that. And there's just like a a texture to it, right? That I think you lose on digital, and I feel like the the skin tones look nicer, and the movie just feels tangible if that makes sense right and, and also like, like it just it, it it'll date better as well like it'll it'll still kind of have like a timeless quality to it like anything that's shot on film where like digital i i don't mind digital i'm not against it and 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 digital it, projection or digital cinematography both. yeah um but the thing is with 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 digital cinematography specifically like everything is so clean and crisp and like you can see everything where film there's a fuzziness to yeah. it and and like you said like it's a tactile kind of thing like it feels like you could reach out and touch it it has you know it, it feels alive like it feels like it's like physical media on the screen yeah and 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 it plays well especially into a period movie like i think one of the biggest problems i had was say like something like michael mann's public enemies was that it was shot digitally and a movie like that needs to be shot on film Agreed. Um, because like it's just it's too glossy, too looking. glossy, too yeah. like the 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 night shots too dark. Yeah. Um. You need you need and, and film can be unforgiving as well, especially if you you know don't 
shoot in focus properly and you proper know, lighting proper lighting like yeah like like we're not saying that film doesn't have its problems but there's just something about it like you miss that all also that all movies at one point were shot on film and it's like even like you know the yeah. low rent comedies and yeah. stuff like that but like there's just something that's missing now where like when you do get a movie that is shot on film that is presented in 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 film which is very rare um there's just something about it that kind of makes you feel all warm inside as a, as a film lover that it's like oh yeah like this like the, the you know there are filmmakers and 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 cinemas that are still willing to show these and show them on on film and there yeah there's just something alive about it like even just the sounds the sound of the projection and the yeah. sound of you know like the popping of 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 the film yeah. and the real and change. even just the little uh Obviously, the beginning of a film is usually a little bit more scratched up and dinged up based on that's the the part that's handled the most. But it's just there's something about seeing those, like you said, even the pops on the screen or the scratches. And like stuff. I remember when we saw it's Eraserhead like, at the Fox. Yeah, and it like, was it was damaged as shit, but, but it, it was like, great because yeah. it worked in its favor because that movie is kind of grimy and gross and yeah. you know a midnight kind of movie. So it, like. And it should be, you know, have been kind of destroyed and handled badly over the years. And it kind of adds, you know, a, a kind of quality to it that, you know, adds to your overall experience. And I think that's when we talk about why going to the movies in 2019 or, or today kind of sucks is that and then we, we talk about what's missing or what was special about going to the movies. I think that is part of it, though, too. When you're seeing a movie presented on film highest quality possible it, it and it looks and feels different now and it's something not to tie it back into tarantino or anything but when he talks shit about multiplexes and things nowadays too of just being uh, tv in public he's not wrong in the sense of like you're just kind of seeing a 4k or 2k digital, a televisual yeah, presentation shown onto a screen in public like there's what what you were missing is like at least it was different even if the quality like and, and again i think this is the biggest issue too is that we're catching up when it comes to home technology um to the point of like yeah in in the 70s 60s from the whole history of film up until very recently um you had your either a black and white TV moving into a four by three TV. Yeah, VHS and, like, and VHS beta wasn't was, even around. Like you had to go to a, a road show presentation yeah. and you, of your favorite movies. And it was such a jump, right? Like even home video at the beginning, again, with you, it was expensive too. You had to rent the VHS yeah. player as well with the film. So that's why it was such a special experience going to the movies, right? Where now it's, you're pretty, it's pretty close, right? Like, sure, you're not getting the size and maybe the sound because not everyone has that available to but them. But it's on your own terms, but, right? Yeah, like, and you don't have any of the distractions unless they're your own. And, yeah, like, I mean, I'm looking at your TV screen right now. You have yeah. a really nice sound bar. Like, I, I understand the reason why you don't obviously go out to the movies as much anymore because you can watch it, you know, in the comfort of your own home and on your time and not be worried by anything else and enjoy it. And the experience isn't that much different, no. right? Like where previously, and that's why I wanted to do a project that was like a history of going to the movies and exploring why attendance is down, even though money, like revenue is still fairly high and people still do like going to the movies but i just what is missing without sounding like a uh, a pretentious asshole of like oh cinema and like and right. things like that i like, do think I part just... of it is just the street like the world of streaming has changed things yeah. and that 
you, you know, have this is inevitable. No great matter quality what. at your fingertips instantly. Yeah. And why would you? Uh, it just there's something missing, and I think what cinemas are are misconstruing is that oh we need to come up with a new way of watching a new gimmick like, and, and that's not necessarily it it just needs to feel like a different special experience like make me that want you can't to, get that, at home yeah exactly where now it's just like sitting in a seat and watching 20 minutes of commercials and a pre-show and like and, and then, then trailers and then, and then more commercials and then usually Varsity always does that and then usually uh just projection that is sometimes not great and i know we this is a reoccurring bit on the show but it's just when i went to see once upon a time in hollywood even if it was at a multiplex but a multiplex that was capable of showing this on film and like it just went or when i see something at lightbox or something like that it's just like okay these are experiences they're not necessarily just going somewhere because this is the only place I can see this. Right. Like, that's the only reason people go to the movies right now, right? Like, I feel like if they did have the option, more people than not would just watch it at Yeah, home. if Avengers uh, Infinity War or Endgame, Endgame was yeah. available to stream day and date, there would be people that would go for that. Yeah, I, I guarantee you. Um, but uh, the other thing that led into that topic, too, which I thought was interesting that I stumbled on on Thursday or, or Wednesday is that um, Wednesday I was on the Scotiabank uh, just check I always check what's playing that weekend and what's in the IMAX theater and things like that and all I saw was once upon a time in Hollywood the IMAX experience <laughs> and I was like the what and I was like I had no idea that they were doing this and, and sometimes they do this with some films depending on the distributor of being like, oh, we'll give it up. Uh, there's like a week gap where IMAX doesn't really have anything until the next new release. Right. And I think Hobbs and Shaw, or Lion King already played for about a month. And Disney always has a rule for people who want to know inside baseball kind of shit is like Disney always has a rule where if you're, if you're playing one of their films, it has to be in your biggest theater for a certain amount of weeks um, before it can kind of move to a smaller theater. It's usually three or four weeks. Um, they have their, a lot of weird rules. They, like, well, I mean, we, we were talking can, about like, like you can't rent out um, one of their movies to play at a theater if a film is coming out of theirs that week because they don't want to compete against themselves. Yeah, so and it's so like, or and also like the apparently the Lion King, the original one, was only available to buy um, and not rent yeah. as it's um, on iTunes and things like yeah. that um, or whatever it's called now. Not they. ITunes. I mean, they're very smart with it, but it is kind of just a little bit like so well, it feels like they're being dominant but they've been doing that forever forever no no i know like, but they, now it's going to be even more noticeable they have because more. they have more like again like we i think i mentioned this before when when we were talking about the mergers like what's going to happen with something like rocky horror picture show which is a staple you know repertoire theater um you know every halloween kind of movie so someone came out i sorry i'm not giving credit where credit's due but um i saw someone tweet who did a little bit of um research on that with the fox stuff and they said that i think what you kind of brought up was that fox films will be allowed to play at repertory uh, uh cinemas um as long as they're not playing something that's new if they only play old stuff yeah they'll still allow them to play it but if you play any first run movies it can't be coinciding like playing in the same week or at the same time it's just it's weird and um I forget what I was leading into. Oh, the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood thing. So I just thought it was crazy that it's getting an IMAX release and uh, at the Scotiabank, nonetheless, because sometimes with those lesser 
I'm not saying that it's a lesser IMAX movie, but not the big spectacle IMAX movies that you would expect. Like, right. Well, the, the um, spectacle is that it's Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, right? but I mean, this is his first IMAX release. And then I thought it was a mistake at first. I was like, no way this is real. And then I went onto the IMAX website and it is getting a very limited IMAX release. And, um, which I thought was crazy. And I'm very curious now of like, I guess it's kind of like when we are at TIFF and we see films in theater 12, which is the IMAX theater at Scotiabank. And then we get that thing that people laugh at where it's like, this is not the IMAX experience. And then we see moonlight or something on that giant. Ass right. Or, or the lobster and, or something. And for people like who aren't familiar, like we have a legitimate IMAX at Scotiabank. So it's one of those massive, massive couple stories high IMAX screens. So we see a lot of these like art house films and stuff during TIFF on it, which is very weird. I remember so seeing just... mother on, uh, on the IMAX Oh, you screen. did. Yeah. And it was shot in 16 millimeter. And it, for people that have seen the movie, it's very intimate. There's a lot of close ups, and it might've been, even though IMAX didn't really enhance the movie, it might've been one of the most intense experiences yeah. I've ever had in a theater, just because that sound design is so, vital to the movie and when when it's so when it's bellowing in a theater like that it just hits you harder right and it was on edge the whole time uh, i could imagine so uh so i think i'm i mean i usually I, I rarely see films three times in theaters but i'm such a nerd for different formats you're and a QT like that. cutie and like yeah that too um so i might actually go see hollywood again because i'm very curious of how it shows on a giant screen like that in IMAX, right? So um and it's a it's a great film and I, I, I would It's an mind. easy watch. Yeah. So I, I think I might go do that again tomorrow. So I'll report back next week. I'm also excited that uh we'll hope yeah, we're we're we'll be getting Apocalypse Now, the final cut, uh in, in IMAX. So who is showing that? Have you seen uh, it's um, it's Paramount. It's yeah. a Paramount movie and apparently it is going to play a couple days in the end of August. Okay, because I, I would like... I hope it's at Scotiabank. Yeah. Um, it is, okay, because mm -hmm. I would like that, because I might actually uh, go check that out as well. It's uh, um, three hours long. I think, actually, you can buy tickets now. On, okay, uh, I'm going to check after this, yeah. but... Uh, uh, anything else you've been watching? That you yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's some there's some newer stuff that, that I've been I watching for, yeah. for work, but I haven't had a lot of time to rewatch anything. One movie I did um, forget to talk about on the last show was the film junk guys have been doing um have been revisiting their top 10 lists from uh 2004 2005 to leading up to this year okay um or at least and they're going to try they to hold up or? yeah and see like like what were the best films in their opinion and so they recently did uh 2008 and um their main review was synecdoche new york charlie kaufman's film so i hadn't watched it in a, in a while and i'm a big fan of of his self-loathing uh writers movies everything from the work that he's done with spike jones uh with being john malkovich and adaptation to you know synecdoche and uh, anomalisa and i'm really excited for the new movie he has with jesse buckley it's going to be on netflix either this year or probably next year uh called um uh, i'm thinking of ending things um so it'd been a while and rewatching that Synecdoche, New York, for people that don't know about it, it's about um, a famous playwright that um, wants to create the world's 
greatest and most grand play about New York and wants to bring authenticity to it. Uh, the playwrights played by the late great Philip Seymour Hoffman. And so he creates this like life-sized version of New York in the theater setting and how this play goes on and on forever, but it never opens to anybody because he wants it to be perfect and he's always finding flaws. So like it becomes very meta and it's like this idea of this person who is so, um, insecure and 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 conscientious and also you know the people around him that he has relationships with are are finding you know problems with him and and sort of the creative process and like when is something done right when when can you let go of something and for me like i am just still astonished that this movie was made yeah, and I haven't seen it. It's it's if you like his stuff, I do. You yeah. will. It's neurotic. It's weird. Um, it also just made me miss film Seymour Hoffman a lot. Um, but I highly recommend anybody that is a Charlie Kaufman fan or or sort of like the the creative process of putting something together that maybe you lose control of at some point and you don't know if you're too maybe ashamed to say like. I can't let go. Like, I just can't let go of this and hubris and that kind of thing. Right. Um, is it streaming anywhere or no? I'm sure it's on somewhere. I, I, I have the Blu-ray, so I yeah. just, I, I know I watched it. Sure, yeah. yeah. Um, but I would, I would highly recommend it. It's uh, it's great. Tom Noonan, Michelle Williams. Like it's, it's a great supporting cast as well. And, and it still holds up uh, more than 10 years later. Cool. Yeah. And, then, and again, Phil Zimmer Hoffman was, I know the he's, the, he's the best man. Uh, and then you saw the two new releases this week, which I actually uh, didn't end up seeing. I got sick on Wednesday, and I skipped my scary stories to tell, tell in the dark, the dark uh, screening. Although uh, our friend Stefan Ellison had a really funny – it wasn't even a joke. He asked me um, because the press screening was in the morning. So he said, are you going to see scary stories to tell in the morning? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes. Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so – that is a Guillermo del Toro co-written, produced adaptation of the Alvin Schwartz uh, series. anthology series yeah. of you know uh, myths and legends and folklore um, that has been sort of adapted for kids, so kids can read you know the story of 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 the hook. You know the hand, the, the the man with the hook hand, or the bloody fingers, and and things like that. And he did another one as well that's kind of similar. The one that I remember the most is like the girl with the ribbon around her neck. I don't know if you've ever heard that one. So like, no. like this young boy meets this girl and asks her, "Why do you have this uh, ribbon around your neck?" And she says, "I'll tell you one day, but not it's to now." To keep her head on or yeah. something. Yeah. And I remember that freaking me out as a kid um does that show up in the movie no no it's not one of the stories but that was the one i always remembered the most um this is kind of your typical like this basically was greenlit after the success of goosebumps and it kind of has a similar feel although it kind of is a little bit meaner and darker and um the actual stories when they're being told because the book reads you um there's some is it kind of like diet horror though yeah it was it's 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 horror for kids right like it's it's the transitional movie where you can take your 10 to 12 year old to see it and they might find maybe some of the visual imagery disturbing or weird but it's not gory um, but it is very mean at times, and some of it does remind me of Nightmare on Elm Street. Like the act- when when you get into the stories of the big toe and the red spot and things like that, they become basically a Nightmare on Elm Street. It's like the kids have like fallen into 
the, the, a dream and they kind of are pitted against the thing that they fear the most. Except, you know, Freddy Krueger is not present. It's this Sarah Bellows character. And I kind of felt like the structure of the interconnecting stories in this small town and the group of friends that are kind of battling um, the book doesn't work as well like the actual sort of set pieces which are the stories are great the visual effects i think are quite stunning and horrific um the jangly man specifically is a great combination of practical effects and cgi augmentation Mm -hmm. um but overall it's it's a streaming kind of movie like you could just like watch this around october and kind of enjoy it for what it is but it's it's i think kids will like it more if it was a film that was released in the 80s or 90s, I think it would have like this weird second life on cable. But because we really don't watch movies on cable anymore, it's going to be one of those films. Streaming that, services. Yeah, we'll pick up there. And, and I mean, it, it is seems to be doing well cool. uh, right now. But it's, yeah, it's, fine. it's one of those movies where I'm not. Sh- it's like I'll either randomly go see it if I'm like in the mood to go to the movies or I'll wait till streaming services now. Like I like Brightburn finally came out on digital and, and uh, there's things like escape room. Like I always feel like I miss these things in theaters just because but you're not really missing much. No, that's what I mean. Right. And then they're usually like, Oh, I'll rent this and put it on tonight. And then uh, I just haven't gotten around to them yeah. yet. And so, and also um, Andre uh, Overdahl who directed the autopsy of Jane Doe, uh, is the director on this. And it was shot in Toronto. Um, and there's a lot of uh, shots that are recognizable. I think they... W- what's the nearest um, drive-in theater in Toronto? Or there's one Toronto? in Mississauga. I think they there's... might have shot there because there's one sequence that yeah. takes place there. And it just... like I was like, where where did they shot this? There's one in yeah Mississauga. There's some north a little bit like Barry maybe. And then there used to be the one by the docks. Yeah. Uh, but it's not there anymore. But it's like but... it's like an old like classic like it looks like the theater was made on like a field or something yeah, like that. So like that would have been, yeah, so that would have been yeah, that would have been probably all most drive-ins are like that, but yeah, the closest one to here. They could have gone out east too cuz there's some down that way too. Yeah, and there's one kid who sounds exactly like Corey Feldman. Cool. Like you just close your eyes and you think it's him. All right. <laughs> and then you also saw the kitchen as well. Yeah. Not much to say. Just no. I mean, it's your check tri- out your it's, review. It's your cliched mob gangster movie, and there are moments in the film that it's like, okay, this could work if the film was edited, but it's one of the worst edited movies of the year. It's shapeless. It just throws scenes out, and everybody's defined in terms of character-wise by their accents. Like they're bad accents, whether they're New York Irish or you know, like just like caricatures. And yeah. the it's amazing because the cast is, is good. good. Yeah, and uh, uh, Maurice Alberti is the cinematographer on it. She also shot um, uh, Creed, and you're like, like, what is going on? Like, why is this movie so awful? And it just doesn't really come together at all. And yeah, you just feel like you're watching a series of cliched scenes you've seen in a hundred gangster movies beforehand brutal man it's it's bad it's yeah yeah, it's it's awful okay (laughs) i have no interest now like the trailer was fine but then i mean it was hard not to compare it to widows either right yeah and i mean that's a very lazy comparison right but But the first act kind of sets it up similar to widows where you take sort of the spouses of of these mob wives who are apprehended and sentenced to three years in jail in the late 1970s um and I understand that comparison, but then, like, once 
that's all done, the structure of the movie just goes out the window. And, like, the way that they even introduce characters. So, Donald Gleason's in it, and he just shows up. Like, there's no proper introduction <laughs> of, to him. Like, who He's just he kind is. of, like, thrown into the film. Brutal. Uh, for me, I uh, followed up... Last week, I talked about how much I loved Willy Wonka and the Char- uh, Chocolate Factory and the Charlie Factory. Well, now you're going to the um, Charlie Factory. Yeah, I watched Charlie and the Chocolate Factory uh, this week, and oh boy, what a piece of shit that movie is. Uh, it's real bad. Um, it's been a while since I saw it. I is that the seeing... decline of Tim Burton? Like, when did it start? Like, of like... Sleepy you know, Hollow, maybe. Probably, yeah. Um... Yeah, around that time. But then I, I again we talk about how we both like um, what's the musical Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd, which is two thousand seven. Um, this was early 2005. Five. Uh, watched it for the first time immediately after watching Willy Wonka, just a couple days after, and um, did not like any of it. <laughs> just I. They remove most of the well, not most. They remove all of the original musical elements and replace them with these Oompa Loompa songs that take that are based off each of the and children. And that's Deep Roy who's playing. Yeah, all of the Oompa Loompas, yeah. and uh, they base them on each of the children that get murdered, <laughs> and then <laughs> and each song is in a different genre, and it was just so cringy. And I thought Johnny Depp's performance was just. It obviously heavily influenced by Michael Jackson, which makes it even creepier right now. Um, but it just there was something missing from the Gene Wilder version of Willy Wonka that it was just completely removed from this Johnny Depp version. And right, and also um, them giving him the backstory with yeah, the dentist stuff and, and the like dad, in the Christopher Lee, right? yeah, all of that stuff with the dad and and just like I'm watching it going, no one gave a shit who Willy Wonka was like, that was part of the mystique of him. Right. And yeah. part of like how interesting it's of Freddie Highmore, right. Uh, of uh, the kid. Yeah. I think I, I I'm gonna look yeah. this up right now. Cause um, it, yeah. Cause it, it was, is, yeah. I think, yeah, you're correct. Um, and I just, it, it, I think it just completely loses what was special about the original. And it just, it, it obviously adds a lot of Tim Burton's tendencies there. Danny Elfman's score. Um, and just, I mean, it fits his world, but I feel like you're, it's not that I wanted the exact same movie. I just felt like this didn't need to exist. And uh, I mean, we've talked about that a lot lately with a lot of the Disney remakes and things like that, but, um, well, there was rumor that they were going to remake it again recently too. Yeah. Right? Completely. Like, Ryan Gosling was up for Willy Wonka and there was a couple other names. I'm not against around. that, but I mean, make it more. Like, the first film is very much, like, this twisted kind of... Oh, I'm looking at this now. You know where his downfall was? Or the beginning of the end? Planet of the Apes. Right. Okay. Which is before this. Yeah, because, I mean, a lot of people do, like... And it's been a while since I've seen Big Fish, but a lot of people do think that that's, like, the last really good Tim Burton movie. And then he did Charlie and Chocolate Factory, Corpse Bride... Uh, Sweeney Todd, and then Alice in Wonderland, and then... I I like Frankenweenie, but Frankenweenie, I mean, the short is better um but then yeah you have alice in wonderland dark shadows big eyes miss peregrine dumbo oh Oh, and he's got beetlejuice too on the on the horizon is that ever gonna happen well as Um, long as he goes to hawaii god um so i thought it was a miserable movie i I hated every oompa loompa song i 
Loompa, loompa, but they don't even really but they don't even use that really like right. very briefly and then they go into these weird fucking songs about these kids did they sing? i know i just watched it but i have a horrible memory sometimes but like i haven't seen this um, since 2005 i remember seeing no, that this or Stel- the original i'm talking in the original they don't do oh, songs about no each i'm talking kid, about the right? chart i'm so I saw Charlie and the yeah. Chocolate Factory and Stealth the same day. Oh no, <laughs> that's horrible. I want we wanted to, I want to talk about your Paul Blart thing too. Um, you tweeted out, um, just a miserable movie, man. Just God, it's so much worse than the original one. Um, but his teeth are great, right? No, <laughs> Michael Jackson looking motherfucker. Um, and then what else did I watch? Oh, I started my watch of Harry Potter because the kind of funny guys are doing their Harry Potter in review. The first episode of that is up. Um, also something because I'm not a huge Harry Potter fan and I forgot. I remember knowing this as a kid. But you're definitely um, a pot fan. Uh, yeah. And I – anyways, yes, I am. Um I forgot that it's Sorcerer's Stone in the U.S. to the point and where And then it's Philosopher's Stone. Everywhere else. Yeah. Um, because they reviewed it as Sorcerer's Stone. And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, I don't think mine was called Sorcerer's Stone. And I went and looked. And I'm like, no, it's Philosopher's Stone. But what I didn't realize, I remember that they like dumbed down or dumbed down. They changed some of the word wording in the... They um, cut out some in, of the Britishness in, of it. In the books even as a kid, right? Like yeah. they North Americanized the, the novels a little bit. And I didn't realize they also did that at least when it came to the name and the references in this film. So they re-recorded the dialogue or shot two different takes, one with Philosopher's Stone and one with Sorcerer's Stone. <laughs> it's like, and why is Harry talking like he has a Cockney accent just in the Philosopher's was, Stone? Yeah, it was just, it, um, it was interesting to me that like, and the only countries that have Sorcerer's Stone, I think are like the US, India, couple like three or four but everywhere else including canada has philosopher's stone right and is it it's the only one that has the name change change, yeah Yeah. but then every reference to the philosopher's stone i'm assuming they had to shoot another take with sorcerer's stone for the american where they just got lazy after yeah and it just switches to philosopher's (laughs) stone uh so anyways i thought that was interesting uh still don't love the first harry potter movie like i again what we talk about, I love a lot of the world building and I think that um, they do a really good job at like building up this wizarding world. I just don't think that first movie is very good. I, um, I like the first one more than the second one. I think Chamber of Secrets is the one that I I dislike the most. Yeah, out I'm, of that I'm watching that now, collection because yeah. the, the stuff it's with the lizard right or the snake, right? I forget. I'm the one thing I do now. remember in part two that I found it's two hours and 40 minutes. Fucking shoot me in the face. (laughs) Creepy was the talking spider. Right. And I think that's in part two. Um, The first couple, I feel like, until you get Well, they're both directed by Chris Columbus, and they have that Home Alone kind of feel, right? Like, you know, family Hogwarts kind of thing. And, and like, even um, John John Williams' Williams score sounds like Home Home Alone at times. It it seems like, yeah, John Williams is the greatest. But, yeah, I, I totally see that and i think it takes until you get to the quran one that it's but that's the third, third one. like one. it's not that far i know but then that's when the movie i feel like takes a turn and it right. goes okay this is what we are what what this franchise will be right uh, moving but they forward. but they that was the only film that they kind of took that risk on in hiring him because then after that it was mostly um david yates i mean mike newell did the the, the following one which one was the one with well, i can never remember the name of it um with robert pattinson that's the Mike Newell one. Uh, right. Um, 
the goblet, the of, goblet fire. of fire which is with the tournament triwizard tournament and stuff right yeah yeah um floor de la cour and which stuff some like people that. don't like that one but i'm, I'm i don't like that it. one um but then you have all the david yates one where I, like i remember there was a time where like there was rumors that other directors would come on and do their own thing and they never did that, did that it at just all. became yates and he's yeah, still and doing that's it why the alfonso Cuarón one sticks out a little bit because it's at least yeah different yeah right? i mean nothing I'm, against yates or or newell or or don't get me Chris wrong Columbus. i think the last couple harry potter movies are very good i just um well they become star wars as well yeah, like it, even the, i mean the, the whole thing duels is, are green star and red wars. i know i've said that from the beginning i was i should talk harry potter to nevis sometimes because she loves it it's her it's her star wars right, right. but i have we have Star Wars. Yeah. And I always laugh because I'm like, Harry Potter is fucking Star Wars. But the I do like thing. the Britishness of it. And and, it's, and yeah. Alan Rickman's but really Star good. Star Wars has some Britishness. Yeah. And there's... Well, I mean, yeah. Because a lot of it was shot in, in England. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that I did kind of like or remember in the last two Harry Potter movies that I thought was kind of disturbing. is like, oh, this is almost like Cronenbergian. Is when you see the fetus version of Voldemort. Yeah. I mean, even is, on the back of the what's his dude's head in the right fir- but that's the, the other one. thing that does not hold up is the no. is the effects like the yeah. troll specifically oh, is bad in the yeah. first one yeah but they get better i think they i i do really love the quran one and I, I i do enjoy them after that um but i'm i'm excited i watched them last year i think or the year before but and i always like um, the ongoing joke of who's going to replace uh the, the the teaching role in the, uh, <laughs> the dark be, arts yeah and they're always the villain yeah just every well not time. david thulis i mean he's he's yeah you know, turning into a wolf, but that's not like he's not trying sure. to hurt anybody. Um, excited to rewatch and, and follow along with the guys. So they're doing um, uh, Chamber of Secrets on Tuesday. So you guys, um, if this goes up on Monday, you guys can follow along if you want. Moaning to on that. Myrtle. Uh, I watched one other thing, but I will save it for the next segment. Actually, I guess we can go right into that, right? So let's You're move- talking about Avengers. Yeah, uh, so let's move on to staying at home. So I do have a physical pick this week. Um, Disney was kind enough to send uh, me a review copy of Avengers Endgame in 4K physical media, Eric. Yeah, but it um, says Avengers Endgame. Phase finale. <laughs> Um, I like that they didn't do the two, you know, two title treatments. But it's on the spine, though, right? Yeah, that sucks. But um, I'm not reviewing the packaging right now. I'm reviewing the disc. Um, I've gone through and um, rewatched the entire film in 4K HDR Dolby Atmos. I've gone through the special features. And but there's I've, not many, right? Like no, it's... so that's my biggest issue, which I'll get into. And then I've listened to the first half an hour i want to say 40 minutes of the commentary which i'm excited to dive into um which i think i will dive into more once my digital copy is available because uh, commentaries i almost watch like podcasts or listen to like podcasts um you don't necessarily watch the like, movie you just yeah it's on it it's on yeah. yeah and um uh the movie is there playing so you can reference what they're talking about but um, I like putting my headphones in before bed, maybe while I'm lying in bed. And I, I usually only do that with stuff through my Apple TV. Um, so anyways, yeah, uh, the transfer is obviously fantastic. I think it looks great in 4K HDR. The sound is incredible in Atmos. I finally got an Atmos soundbar, so I actually can review the Dolby Atmos sound, um, which sounds incredible. Um, uh, the transfer, I, the one thing I have a problem with with um some 4k transfers that they can be a little bit too dark or dim um but i think the movie um looks incredible that last hour and that last fight scene it's just it's cool to watch it 
I, it was amazing to obviously see it in either IMAX or on a big screen, but in, in your home and in, in the best quality you can possibly get and, and, and you can pause and look at every detail and, and talk about what's going on in the background and, and things like that. But um, I think the movie holds up really, really well. I think all the emotional beats still get me um, just as much as that first time I saw them. Um, but again, yeah, I think a really high quality uh, disc my biggest problem after going through the special features is that there's just really not that many of them for being the biggest movie of all time. What, what um, is there? What's what's available? So let me grab the package. He's, there's, he's, um, he's running over to, uh, what's it called again? Assembled Finale? or Phase Finale. Phase Finale? Um, yeah, so the French title is Phase Finale, which it isn't the Phase Finale. Nope. Uh, um so I went through and I watched the gag reel, which is like a minute and a half or two minutes. And it was funny, but whatever. Uh, there is a remembering Stan Lee featurette, uh, casting Robert Downey Jr. So there's like these featurettes on all of the Avengers. So like there's a Robert Downey Jr. one, a Chris Evans one, a Black Widow one of like the history of them throughout like they're not even very even specific to Endgame. They're just Marvel as a whole. But it almost right. feels like it's reusing a lot of stuff from the other movies and like adding it into a package kind of thing. And then there's uh, like three deleted scenes. And the first two or three of them are uh, there's like three or four deleted scenes. And the first two or three are just these like super tagged on like scenes that don't really add anything. They're just like. There's a scene of like Tony talking to uh, Pepper before he goes out to get his daughter or something. And then there's another scene of like uh, someone makes a joke and it's just an addition to like a scene that we've already seen. And it doesn't really like I'm like, yeah, why? so there's not there's nothing like with Captain Lang. No, them, and I'm right? like, there's nothing on here that's really like, why are these scenes? And they're all like 30 seconds long and they're just like an additional shot of a scene or like right before and i'm like these don't need to be on here well, you know what they're, and, they're gonna save all the 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 good stuff yeah, for a special edition that's what that I they'll think. probably combine which disney both. doesn't usually do i was talking to mike about this and he pointed that out he's like they don't usually do box sets um but they have had a tendency to double dip like if you look at the force awakens release they did an original one but then the the special edition th that came with the 3d, 3D yeah. that had all the special features oh yeah so and then they'll um, probably release it again um this in fall 4K. for 4k yeah because yeah. of 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 uh, rise of skywalker yeah it might be next year from what i was reading on digital bits and stuff right. like that but when it comes to this shout out to it, bill hunt yeah um it looks like, and then there's a Russo brothers journey to Endgame about, but it was really like, oh, they did a great job on Civil War, and they went right into Endgame, right. and it was just like, it felt empty, like all of the special features. It's almost kind of it, like it's almost like stuff that you get off of like an EPK. Side yeah, it, yes, exactly. Yeah. And like the one deleted scene that I think has been going around on the internet anyway, which you could probably find on anywhere i think it was the one that they were using to promote the home release is like there's a nice moment after spoilers for endgame everyone if you haven't seen it yet which i can't believe that uh please don't listen giving you a second the i'm gonna spoil stuff uh tony's death scene when he passes away there's this scene i don't know if you've seen it yet but like where all the avengers kind of like pay their respects by like going down on one knee and it's like it kind of draws out his death sequence a little longer but shows but i can see why they removed it because you kind of have that same moment at his funeral where right. you kind of pan through everyone where this does the opposite where it pans back and shows everyone kneeling in their 
costumes. So, right. and then we see the kid. We we needed we needed a moment to show more the Ty kid Simpkins from, from Iron Man <laughs> <Yeah>. three. <laughs> um, so to me, it just feels like they uh, are holding off on special features until they do a bigger release. Um, right. I right. still hope for a four K set. Now that we're getting four K editions of all of the Marvel stuff. I think you're going to talk about one in a second, but yep. um, I really hope we get a infinity saga box set. I know that's a little, probably more complicated because they'll have to partner up with universal for, or uh, maybe Incredible they'll just Hulk. do the Avengers. They've already, I think there is a four pack of all Avengers movies. I've seen oh, that. Is? Yeah. Okay. Uh, through Best Buy. I think they had that. And well, they'd, other... they'd also have to partner up with um, Sony, Sony, right? Sony and universal. They'd have to part, which isn't impossible. We've seen them do that for, They've always done phase one box sets and phase two box sets, and they'll probably do a phase three, but I would like to see them do an Infinity Saga box set. And then I feel like that would be an obscene amount of money, um, but with multiple crazy special features and things like that. And if you release that for Christmas this year or maybe next year, um, I think that would be amazing. I think you do that Christmas of this year, and then you do a Star Wars set maybe next year for the home video release of... Rise of Skywalker. Right. Um, and then even the original ones. Because I also noticed that Disney is repackaging um, even the original trilogy uh, and, and the prequels. And yeah. They, they're re-releasing on Blu-ray. Them on Blu-ray. Yeah. But they're re-releasing them like in changing the, the, the poster. Cover art. Cover which art. is like, shout out to Digital Bits again. They've done their research and they're the best at this. Um, is that... Th- that's a Disney thing. They release, they triple dip, right? They get right. you, if you really want it on Blu-ray, here it is. And then we're going to release the 4k later and then we'll release a box set or something. Yeah. So, so it's, it's going to happen and it almost feels like that's like them indicating that like, you know, a bigger collection is on the way at some point. Right. But this is also more like they're 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 teasing like the diehard fans that will pick up every version. Uh, yeah, and that's um, why they do it, right? Yeah. For people like me who wanted to watch Endgame so badly again or own it right away. But would I recommend buying this? I mean, I don't know. Like that's that's a weird thing to say. Well, like I think, I, just... I think if you just want the movie, then yeah, I would say right, definitely buy it. But if you if you if you want more than that, be aware that. You know, you'll probably get a better edition yeah. that has more special features and stuff like that. But, but I can see if you just want to like pick up the pick. But like, then I'm I gonna, would, I'll pick it up. And, but then and, I'm gonna say, why not rent it then? Like, just right. if you want to watch the movie one more time and then wait for the better release of the film. Like, that's my thing. It's just like, Matt, I for, want it now for thirty five dollars. Unless you're a completionist, like. Like you or a collector or something like right. that, but like, I don't collect. Like I don't have every Marvel movie, right? right? So. But um, I'll pick this up though because I I do like it. But like I don't necessarily need like the special features per se. For me though, I do yeah. right. Like right. I really do want those, and like I do want to dive deep into all of this. And I would love to see a feature length documentary on the making of Endgame and Infinity War or something like that. But I don't even know if they had that made, but. I'm assuming there'd be a plethora of stuff that they could use, but um, if not, that's fine. It's still a great movie. It's a great transfer. It looks amazing at home. It sounds amazing. It's It was well worth watching again, and I will probably watch it every year. So uh, I think, yeah, like to Eric's point, if you, I, I feel like if you love this movie, it's still a, a decent pickup, but be warned that there probably will be a I'm predicting that there'll be something like there's so little on this that I feel like there's got to be more. Right. Um, so we'll see. 
anything else physical that you wanted to mention? Yeah, I've got a couple things. So going off from Avengers, uh, the original Iron Man trilogy is now available on uh, 4K as well. And specifically my favorite uh, Marvel movie, Iron Man 3. I'm and, excited to get that in 4K. Yeah. yeah, and watch that plane sequence. Oh my uh, God. The, the that skydiving sequence. sequence. so good. Oh. It's that. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to own the first and third Iron Mans, but I'll probably get all three just as being a completionist. Right. But, um, it's all about symmetry. But then I'm also wondering if that Infinity Saga box set will come out. So I'm like, do I just get three right now? Because I want to watch three the most on, on 4K. Yeah. But... And three is the best of the trilogy. Yeah. Although I still like Iron, the first Iron Man Same. as well. That's but, one reason why um, I want but it. I, but Iron Man 3, we've talked about this on the show. Like, it feels like it's the first time at least for me that you know the director's voice truly came through and that chain black basically made lethal weapon in a superhero sort of genre yeah. um so yeah i i would highly recommend uh if you don't have that on 4k and you and you're looking to pick up one of the best marvel movies uh do that i mean if you want to i'm not recommending it but if for those completionists out there, uh, Thor and <laughs> Thor the Dark World are also on 4K. So what else came out? Just those? Just those. And yeah. I believe in October, you're going to be getting Guardians, Doctor Strange, and Ant-Man. And I think they're October 8th. Okay. Which is my birthday. Um, and then we'll have everything at that point, right? Yeah, I think so. Unless I'm forgetting something. Um, because Pixar is also releasing a lot of their stuff in October. Um, but, but there's like four holdouts, Yeah, right? so which WALL-E... Up. Up. My two favorite Pixar. A I Bug's think. Life. There's something, something else as well. Um, yeah, so I, I would I would highly recommend Iron Man 3 on 4K. It just... Man, I really do love that movie. It's, it's so It's great, good. yeah. Um, other films that I will recommend... Um, hold on just a second. I have a little bit of gas. So, Matt, talk. Uh, I have some digital picks. You want me to go into those? Yes. Or are you ready? Uh, on digital, iTunes Canada, uh, not much this week, but I had a, a movie Eric and I were talking about that I think is sort of underrated. Not a great movie, but a, a, a fun live-action cartoon. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows, I feel like kind of got a bad rap. And I think Krang is amazing in that movie, and I, I think it's fun. So $10 in 4K, not a bad uh, pickup. And I remember interviewing um, uh, Stephen Amell. And, uh, right. He he was a nice guy. Like he was one of those guys that I feel like I would get along with. Steve yeah, you know, yeah, we talked about wrestling and how yeah. like you know it's looked down upon, and because Sheamus is in in that movie, so right. and he's a big wrestling fan as well. So uh, District Nine in four K for ten dollars, and then the Mustang in four K for eight dollars. Schoenharts. Four K HDR, baby. Anything else on you? Yeah. So I was just having some indigestion there. Um, so uh, one movie that I would recommend that is available on Criterion. Um, D. A. Penny Baker just passed away. Uh, one of the greatest documentarians ever died at the age of ninety four. Um, Bob Dylan's "Don't Look Back," which is a documentary about his tour in England in the nineteen sixties, and it's one of those concert docs where you do feel like you are a VIP and that you're actually seeing, you know, behind the scenes and before every um, concert begins and you get to, like, actually spend time with the, the musician and feel the, the, the room and the atmosphere and, and, you know, all the smoke and the pod and all this kind of stuff. And, like, he was one of those filmmakers that 
never was intrusive, but what he was able to capture with his camera was always interesting. He always knew where to line everything up and who to follow and, and kind of what to edit together to make a really great story. So I highly recommend people checking that out. Um, he was one of the most um, essential documentary filmmakers. And, you know, like even to this day, you know, you look back at a movie like that and it's still cutting edge and different from all the concert films that we get now. Right. Like the, the, the access that he had um, is not only incredible, but he defined what the concert doc was and especially also, you know, a character study. Um, so I highly recommend that. And another documentary that I want to recommend that will also kind of spin off into um you know, our TIFF talk is a documentary called Lost Souls, which focuses on uh, filmmaker Richard Stanley and the making of or the unmaking of his version of the island of Dr. Monroe and sort of the clash between him and Robert Shea, the executive uh, and founder of New Line, New Line Cinema, and how he was fired uh, after, you know, months and months of pre-production and work to get people like Marlon Brando and Val Kilmer together who clashed on set. Brando barely showed up and when he did he had these weird ideas of what uh, his character Dr. Monroe should be. He has this whole thing where at the end of the movie he takes off his mask and he's actually just a dolphin. Um, so there's there's amazing stuff. <laughs> you need to watch this doc. Like it is, it is amazing and like seeing you know stanley being fired and then also coming back on set dressed up as one of the creatures in 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 uh, assumed a cameo role whether or not he's actually in the movie or not and then john frankenheimer who was um closer to the end of his life being hired on to take over for um richard stanley was this kind of like old macho filmmaker who did manjurian candidate and the last movie he did before that was the awful reindeer games with ben affleck and charlie theron and how he clashed with people like feruza balk and and david thulis who was in the movie and had no idea what was going on <laughs> um so i highly recommend that the full name of the film i'm just going to read it to you is Lost Soul, The Doomed Journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Monroe. It's available on Blu-ray now, and uh, it's you, you need to see it. Like, it's one of those perfect sort of, like, how everything that goes wrong on a production went wrong. Okay, I will watch it, and that will lead into uh, our TIFF Talk this week. So TIFF you- Talk 2019, <laughs> Dad's Edition. Oh, God. We'll get into that in one second if you have no idea what Eric is referencing. Uh, let's go uh, to talking trailers uh, quickly before we get into the news. Yep. Uh, I guess also TIFF Talk related. Uh, TIFF we- Talk 2019, <laughs> Dad's Edition. Honey Boy Edition. Although it is about dads too. It right? is about dads. So yeah, we got the first uh, trailer for um, the new Shia LaBeouf movie, um, Honey Boy, directed by uh, Auntie. Uh, now I'm going to get her name. Yes, uh, but she's a documentary moment. filmmaker. This is, I think, her first narrative feature. Uh, Shia LaBeouf produced her last film, which actually played at Hot Dogs. I'm going to look that up myself. Alma Harrell, I yes. believe is uh, how you pronounce her name. Uh, yeah, I thought this trailer was excellent, man. I think it looks uh, looks great. Uh, stars Lucas Hedges. 
um, playing a version of Shia, of Shia LaBeouf. LaBeouf, an adult version of Shia LaBeouf. Well, even that opening um, sequence reminds me of something out of Transformers. Well, that's right? exactly what it's referencing, yeah. right? And I thought Lucas Hedges did a really good job of sounding like Shia LaBeouf in all of those. Right. Uh, I mean, he doesn't say he doesn't, no, 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 but I mean, what he's saying in that shot, like, is is kind of yeah. That. Uh, he does say no, 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 no. Does he? Isn't he? I thought he was saying wait, wait, wait. Oh, or maybe like that. Sure, but you can obviously see what it's like referencing. Right. And then uh, in the police uh in the back of the police car he really sounds like shia labeouf yeah um and then noah jupe uh plays the younger uh version from suburbicon um, and a quiet place yes um, and then shia labeouf is playing, playing his, his dad his dad yeah. so it, it's a fictionalized version of his but ba- heavily based on his childhood and his yeah, life and, and right? labeouf has Written been very candid him. about it and saying yeah. that he wrote the script during rehab to kind of exercise his demons and sort of his uh, a strange relationship with his father right um i thought this looked great man like uh again i thought lucas hedges in the small amount of time we see him in the trailer looks excellent noah jupe um uh, playing a uh, you can see the even steven style outfit he's wearing when he gets the pie in the face i think too yeah. and like i'm very curious because like yeah i the reviews were great out of um sundance. Uh, sundance and um really really looking forward to this at tiff yeah so he was an executive producer on her last movie love true which is the okay. name of the film cool yeah. uh you excited for this or yeah i am i i was surprised with how kind of surreal it was yeah like i wasn't expecting it to be almost like like i i knew it was a story about child LaBeouf and and his you know growing up in the industry but like the idea that it's told in kind of flashbacks and we're looking to how he went on this journey of of becoming you know the next household name to destructive and like you've seen that a lot in in the early 2000s obviously with both him and Lindsay lohan specifically like i remember both of them at that time period in the early 2000s were toted to be the next big movie stars and people Mm -hmm. like spielberg were were hedging their bets on them and then they kind of self-destructed and part of it was because of their family history and background and so yeah, I'm 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 really curious about this and I just like Shia LaBeouf is one of those guys that I don't know if I necessarily love his acting, but I've always found he's a fascinating person and maybe this is going to really be, you know, his best work because it's coming from him directly and he's able to kind of, you know, control what he's doing and work with somebody that is on, you know, on his sort of wavelength. Yeah, I really hope that it helps him out too, right? Like something like yeah, this. it's, it's like, cathartic. In yeah, some exactly way, right? the word that I was looking for, and um, and, and it seems like it's getting a good reaction, and I'm I'm super super excited. To yeah, now it, it is an Amazon release, and they haven't really specified what they're what they're going to be doing with it in terms of how they're going November, to November, right? Yeah. yeah, but in terms of release date, but we've heard with. Um, the report that that movie is going to get a two-week run in theaters and then it'll be available on Amazon Prime. So they're the kind US. of switching up what they usually have done. Yeah. They've done they, full theatrical releases. The traditional yeah. route with pe- movies like Manchester, Suspiria. By the sea, Suspiria. But they haven't said what they're doing with Honey Boy, if that's going to be a, a traditional theatrical run or if it's going to be a, a sort of a platform release and then um streaming or just streaming right right? because they've had problems this year late night and there was something else as well um where the movie did not do as well and they spent too much 
to secure the rights to it. And Late Night was the big one. Yeah, and I think it's you can see that even with uh, them moving the release of Aeronauts as well and moving it out of that theatrical release. Yeah, which window. was going to play in IMAX. Yeah, right. it was shot on IMAX cameras. So yeah. um, it'll be interesting to see how this changes their strategy moving forward. But hopefully so. we'll have a review of it uh, during TIFF. Yes, I think we will. And uh, I guess that's a perfect segue into TIFF Talk 2019. Dad's edition. <laughs> God, I guess we can start there. So uh, should we go through our typical kind of like listing off? Uh, the yeah, I'm going to and... let you bring it up because uh, you, you've got your phone out there. Um, Do we want to go through the descriptions of what each movie is or just kind of list them and then talk about I think we should the list ones? and just talk about them because like – if you want to learn more, you can go to Tiffer, which we keep recommending each and every week. But truly, if you want to make it easier on yourself scheduling-wise, they are the best place to go. Or even and, if you're not going to Tiff, they lay it out really, really well where you can kind of even build a short list there and then maybe use that to build something on Letterboxd or movies that you're excited for, your watch list or things like that. But um, we can get into it. So this week that um, Tiff announced their... Midnight Madness program, their platform program, their documentary program, as well as their discovery program. Or did I say that twice? Docs, discovery, discovery, platform, midnight, midnight madness. madness. So where do you want to start? Oh, and Cinematech, right? And Cinematech. Where yeah. do you want to start? Let's start with Midnight Madness because that's it. always the fun kind of one. And that's the one that a lot of people kind of enjoy when it comes to the genre. So um, Peter Kaplowski already announced the two Canadian films that will be playing in the lineup, Blood Quantum, which is opening Midnight Madness, right? Yes. And uh, the 20th Century, which was actually just picked up by Oscilloscope. Um, Those and are also, the ones we knew about. Yes. Yes, because yes, they were the Canadian uh I'm trying to find films. my press release. Sorry. One moment... Well, relating back to my uh, Blu-ray pick, we have a Richard Stanley film, his first in... 29 years? The early 90s, yeah, because Hardware and Dust Devils were his his only other features. Yeah, they said it was the longest gap between Midnight Madness appearances from a director. Right. Um, So yeah, I'll, I'll list them off. Here is the Midnight Madness lineup. So we have the opening night film, which is Blood Quantum by Jeff Barnaby, which is a world premiere. Color Out of Space by Richard Stanley, which is a world premiere. We have the closing night film, which is Crazy World by Isaac Nabwana from Uganda, which is a world premiere. Um, First Love by Takashi Miike, a film we talked about the trailer last week. Right, and played at Cannes. Um, played at Cannes. Um, we have Gandala by Joko Anwar, uh, which is an international premiere. We have The Platform. Um, I should, I'm reading this. So Not to tiny. be confused with The, the platform, platform section. Yeah. Uh, or El Hoyo by Galder Gatstula. Urita, <laughs> probably butchered that. Uh, Saint Maud by Rose Glass, which is a world premiere. The Twentieth Century by Matthew Rankin, which is a world premiere. The Vast of Night by Andrew Patterson, which is a Canadian premiere. And The Vigil by Keith Thomas, a world premiere. So I want to. We'll talk about Midnight Madness now um, instead of going to the other things quickly. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on the lineup as a whole. I could kick it off, and I, I, I have no doubt that a lot of these movies will be a blast or are very good. I'm surprised that 
there's nothing there's no hooks. mainstream in there. Does that make sense? Yeah, and like that, there's nothing there's nothing like last year you had the Predator, Predator and Halloween. And Halloween and those were the kind of the big movies to kind of bring people in, right? You 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 come for those films and then you discover the, the smaller stuff, movies, yeah. right? And this year like on on paper there's really it's it, it looks like a lot of these are going to be discovery type movies. So I, like you... I just worry though that I don't see a film that there's maybe the Mike and the Richard Stanley movie that I think the are... Richard Stanley movie is going to be a big deal like I think because he hasn't made a movie in, in almost 29 years and he really years. suits that audience. Yeah, right? and also you have Nicolas Cage. Yeah. But and, and then also because it's based on an HP Lovecraft story and and when an like a lot of HP Lovecraft stuff like I'm surprised that like I know Guillermo del Toro has been trying to make at the Mountains of Madness for for years now, but you know besides like Reanimator and From Beyond, you know a lot of his st- unless it's Stuart Gordon directing it, um, it hasn't been adapted, and and you'd think that his stuff would be more accessible for you know the horror genre, especially because you can really play with uh, special effects and 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 gross out stuff, and and from what I was reading, like it seems like it's going to be quite a quite a ride and and you know with Nicolas Cage and, and Mandy last year I'm I'm all for a I love head the, trippy kind I of I love the screenshot that they Yeah it, it looks like it looks like a painting almost yeah, um so I'm totally in for that and then That's the one I'm most excited about and if I were to if if I were to schedule an actual midnight screening that would be the one that I would probably say, try like, to see at midnight see, at see midnight. that was my biggest question was like are any of these worth staying up past midnight for and i'm sure that they're good but like i mean from like if i'm building my schedule and i I know there are people who only do midnight madness so that's their thing Uh, it's unfortunate that they don't do that midnight madness package anymore and i feel like this is a year that would benefit from that because it's a year where I feel like you have a lot of movies people don't really know about. Mind you, I'm not the genre person. You're more of the genre person than I am. But I'm just speaking from your everyday kind of movie-going audience or even festival audience, right? Like, it's a lot to ask of someone to stay up that late. Well, Uh, especially if you're working the festival, right? Like, if if you... I'm not even talking from a working perspective, too. Even if you're a fan. I remember when I was just getting my ticket packages and stuff. It's still a lot to ask to stay up past midnight when the subways aren't running after you get out and and Everyone's Ubering. Yeah, and like, and things like that. But but there's also something about it as well where like the, like, the, the fans that are going to those movies only, like, say, like, they're just, like, genre hounds, right? Or horror They'll be hounds. open to this kind the, of stuff? Yeah, like, yeah. they're, like, it does, like, the logistics doesn't bother them as much. Where, like, I understand f- with us, because, one, we're covering the festival, we're seeing, what, like, maybe five movies in, in, in a day? Kind four of, to five. Four yeah. or five. So when you and and also between the midnight movie and the last film, there's a bit of a gap, and you kind of don't you don't want to burn yourself out. And as much as I loved seeing like something like Green Room, for example, um, that next day I felt completely zoned out. And you know, especially if you have like an eight a.m. movie, or yeah, a t- and, even a ten a.m. movie, right? Like, and even if you're caffeinated and 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 
you know you're you're taking some time in between the movies you're still getting those waves of being kind of almost out of it and and so yeah you you look at those movies and you're like well which are the ones that I can go and just see a PNI screening or a regular day screening of because they'll be they'll be there and you can see them at that point right right and, and what are the ones that are really truly benefit from that special audience too. right that you want to have yeah. that experience you're not just not just watching the movie but the experience of with the audience because it, it, it is infectious and you do love seeing uh, a movie that you know fans are truly engaged by like and there's nothing else like it it's like a drug again and there are there is that avid fan base that is that midnight madness audience so i think peter, they make shitty movies better right <laughs> and peter i think knows that too where he doesn't need a halloween or he doesn't need a predator because he knows that this audience trusts him or trusted colin in, in previous years and and will be open to what their selections are and, and go no trust us it's going to be these are going to be badass movies and you guys should come out right like the only times i see the like I worry going, ooh, I don't know if this year they'll like it might be pretty easy to get a Midnight Madness ticket every night, right? Like you, we might be able to pull them in the morning if there's tickets available, right? Because right. Nothing super super high profile other than maybe the, uh, and even then it's like high profile to genre fans maybe or something like that, right? right. Where, well, again, I mean um, Nicolas Cage is a movie star too, so you might just get people. Is he? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, like, even though he's he's become a parody, like, people still know I lo- who he I love is. him. You know how much I love right. him. But, but, but like, if, if you said, like, hey, do you want to meet, meet Nicolas Cage? I don't uh, think anybody would yeah. be like, or do you want to see Nicolas Cage or on if, a stage? do you know who Nicolas Cage is? Yeah, people then. still know who he yeah. is, even though he's become a Oh, he's the joke. biggest star in any of those movies, yeah. right? Like, that he's announced. He's an so. Oscar-winning actor. I agree. I love him. I'm telling you. No, I know that. Saying, I'm, like, just, I'm just I'm just saying, like, there's, like, he's still a, like, I could just you're see still people, gonna get people coming out for him. I can see people being disappointed by this lineup if you're not that hardcore Midnight Madness audience. Right. You know? But it also feels like there's chance for this category and, and some of the other ones that we'll be talking about where you're going to get a movie that we don't really know much about or we've just kind of looked at at a surface level reading a plot synopsis that actually breaks out that becomes something more than than just you know a piece of paper or, or yeah and you guys should go to peter kaplowski's at peter kapow correct yeah or on, the midnight uh, madness account account on twitter and peter's put out great kind of commentary on each film that he yeah and um, he's also done programming and 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 other departments out and things like that i think are his films and that he's programmed in other categories and things like that so i i love the midnight madness program i don't know this i'm actually relieved a little bit that there are like i could i i'm with you i will probably join you in being my one midnight madness outing this year to be the some cage rage um uh the Mike movie, I'm very excited for, but with that September 27th release date, I'm kind of like, Ugh. like if it fits into my schedule in a press screening, maybe I'll go. But if not, I can wait. Yeah, like um, I think the only other movie though that I would have said that like, yeah, I would have done the midnight screening of if it, if it was programmed, it wasn't was the Rambo film. Yeah, like I would have been there in a heartbeat. Well, there's other stuff, high profile stuff that could have shown up, like. I don't even think I would have stayed up late for Zombieland or I wouldn't um, have, no. no. But for um, Rambo I would have Rambo I would have Doctor Sleep I would have not saying that these were ever even a possibility but I'm talking about high profile 
horror stuff. Like, I mean, we're going to go see it on the opening night of the festival, most likely, like right. we did like two we years did ago. Like we did a couple years ago. Yeah. yeah. And I bought those tickets already. And um, We're going to get to see some de-aged children. But depending on what the schedule's like, right? So, uh, all right, let's move on because we got a lot of shit to cover. Uh, what do you want to go into platform maybe is yeah yeah so platform profile? was announced the day before uh the other um program categories were announced yes so they announced the, these what on tuesday wednesday uh wednesday for platform thursday for the other announcements uh so i have the platform announcements here so if people aren't familiar with the platform program it's a new program that they introduced uh a few years back uh, there is a platform jury uh, where they give out a uh, the Toronto Platform Prize, which is $20,000 Canadian for the best film in the program. Uh, this jury, the three-person jury this year is uh, Berlin uh, Artistic Director Carlo Chatrin, film critic Jessica Kiang, um, and filmmaker Athena Rachel Sing- Singagari. So those are the three jury members this year. Um, the lineup, here it is, is Anne at 13,000 feet from Kazakh Radwanski. So this is the director of Tower and How Heavy uh, Your Hammer. Okay, cool. Uh, the closing night film, which is Martin Eden by uh, Pietro Marcello. And that's also playing at uh, New York. Okay, cool. Uh, the Money Changer by Frederico uh, Viroge, Virog. Uh, My Zoe by Julie Delpy. Uh, Proxima by Alice uh, uh, Winokur. Yeah, from the director of Disorder with uh, Matt Mickelson. Uh, Matt, not Matt Mickelson, uh, Matthias Schoenartz and uh, uh, Diane Kruger. Uh, the Platform Opening Film, which is Rocks by Sarah Gavron. Director uh, of Suffragette. Okay. Uh, the Sleepwalkers by Paula Hernandez. Uh, the Sound of Metal by Darius Martyr. Uh, Wet Season by Anthony Chen. And Workforce by David Zanana. Uh, those are your platform films. Uh, anything that sticks out to you here? Proxima, um, because I like Disorder a lot, um, seems to be a, a theme uh with space movies this year i mean they're Uh, all every couple years i think we have this theme of space movies um and then also uh sound of metal um which is interesting because that movie's been in pre-production now for a few years speaking of matthias schoenartz he was it was going to be him and dakota johnson uh in the leads and then their scheduling shifted now it's riz ahmed riz ahmed and uh, olivia cook cool um and it's from the director. He also did. He he's worked with um, Derek Sinefrance. So he was a co-writer on the place. Spot, oh, on, okay. Beyond the Pines, and also was a. I think, What's that guy up to? An assistant editor. Oh, he's working right now on a HBO series with Mark Ruffalo playing twins. Okay. Which will be out next year. Cool. Yeah, I probably won't watch it because it's TV. <laughs> right. But there is always that one show every year. I mean, not saying that that will be the show, but there's always like that one thing that kind of gets. I did finally. Uh, Nevis has been watching. Sorry, side tangent. Tiff talk. Take a pause for a sec. Uh, Nevis has been watching Euphoria, so I just asked her to. I wanted to see the thirty dick scene. Right. <laughs> so I got up and watched the thirty dick scene. There was a lot of dicks. I appreciate their um, 
uh, the eclectic variety of penises they showed in the scene, if that makes sense. Like every shape so and size. Edic? Eclectic dick? Yeah, it was just it, every shape and size. They weren't dick shaming. It was just showing dicks in their natural glory. <laughs> their natural um, habitat. Yeah, like they, were, they weren't all just massive porno dicks. They were just regular dicks, you know? So I just wanted to give a shout out to Euphoria for... Uh, but also fuck Sam Levinson because yeah, like, I, I hated agree. assassination. And Nation. I've I've watched a little bit of Euphoria and I can see that like overly stylized, almost look at me, look at my direction kind of thing um, going on. I I don't have an I haven't watched enough of it to make a judgment. Um, you can't stop talking about those dicks. It, I'm just mostly joking. But the scene was like I'm like okay, good for you for like it, the the show feels. I, I'm almost on board from what I've seen, but like, or to give it a shot at least. Right. But uh, I just haven't worked up the courage to start it. Right. Because you don't want to commit to what, like eight hours. Yeah. And of like, Sam Levins. <laughs> yeah. At least with Assassination Nation, like it's only 90 minutes. Yeah. 90 minutes. And then you're done with it. Where like if you spend the eight hours watching the whole thing of Euphoria and hate it, like you wasted eight hours. Well, I'll on stop it, right? after a couple hours if I don't like it. But I think I might give it a shot eventually. I've been in a TV mood lately with yeah. like I and it's the, zendaya right did i talk about that i finished the boys yeah i did last yeah. last week right yeah anyways back to tiff talk tiff talk uh platform yeah i agree with you with your choices there uh again some of these movies i need to learn a little bit more about so again i will be going on tiffer as well uh to read more synopsi uh on what's playing um the julie delpy movie sounds interesting as well The julie delpy movie like i read the synopsis for that and the first movie that popped in my head was Replicas with Keanu Reeves, where sure. she's recreating her family, cloning her family. Yeah. She didn't direct that, though, right? No. Okay. No. Yeah. It, <laughs> just, it just had a very similar kind of sounding synopsis. Oh, no. To this movie. Yeah. Sorry. That's yeah. what you're comparing. Yeah. I thought you meant she was involved with that. No, no, like, no she, she wasn't. I'm no. just saying that, like, the, 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 the synopsis sounds similar. Right. Fair. Um... Let's move on to... We'll fly through the rest of this stuff. Um, what else do we have? Uh, Documentaries, we, Discovery. Yes. What do you want to do next? Discovery? All right. These ones, we're really not going to know any of it, probably. Um, media release. Okay. That's the wrong one. Is this the right one? Yes, it is. Let's go through Discovery. Oh my gosh, there's a lot. <laughs> All right. Um, Do you just want to read off the name of the movies, not yeah. the directors? Yes, I will read off the name of the films, and then uh, if there's anything that stands out, Eric will talk about it, and I will comment as well. Uh, we have 1982. We have Africa, The Antenna, The Audition, August, Black Conflux, Bring Me Home, A Bump Along the Way, Calm with Horses, Certified Mail, Comets, Disco, Easy Land, Entwined, The Giant, The Good Intentions, Hearts and Bones, Hope, uh, uh, Kusapan, Lena from Lima, The Lost Okoroshi, uh, Love Me Tender, Murmur, My Life is a Comedian, Nora's Dream, The Obituary of Tunde Johnson. Tuned? Tunde? You don't know? Okay. Pompeii, Raph, The Rest of Us, Sea Fever, uh, The Opening Night Film, Simple Women, 
not little women. Um, soul, sun mother, stories from the chestnut woods, sweetness in the belly. That's like me after I ate some cinnamon toast crunch. Yeah, but uh, not in the toilet. I might have some after. I might uh, have to join you. Two of us, Zana. Those are your discovery films. Any of them do you know? Sea Fever uh, is the one right. that kind of leapt out uh, to me. Just because it, it, I think actually Peter um, might have programmed that or had something to do with it. Because he was talking about it on uh, the Midnight Madness okay, so, uh, yeah, account. He, yep. So it he said it's like a cross between The Thing and something else. I can't remember. But it, it sounds genre oriented about you know a creature on the high seas that tags along with the fishing crew um so i'm kind of curious about that uh come with horses as barry um uh kogan who we'll be talking about a little bit uh oh is it yeah so it's a irish uh kitchen sink drama so to speak and then the giant actually kind of sounded interesting which is about like a serial killer or a killer in sort of like a coming of age tale okay yeah cool i'll have to do a bit more research again again that's why it's called discovery yeah exactly these are all pretty new filmmakers yeah. right or are they all first time filmmakers probably not there's probably yeah. they're like people they've but done at the shorts. beginning of their careers yeah, yeah. right yeah um, they're fresh 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 exciting fresh. uh let's move on to uh the dadumentaries oh yeah uh, <laughs> the documentary lineup uh we're dads <laughs> Let's go into this. So again, um, I will read. I'll read the directors on this because some of them are are known. Uh, we have Fisher Steven. What? Some of them are known. No, probably all of them. I'm just. Well, I just laughed because my... the one we'll talk about, obviously. Uh, yeah. Uh, Fisher Stevens and Malcolm Venville's, and we go green. Uh, we have Daniel Gordon's. The Australian Dream. We have Eva Orner's Bikram Yogi Guru Predator. Uh, we have uh, Ebbs Burno's uh, The Capote Tapes. We have the opening night film, which is Ferris Fayad's The Cave. We have Alex Gibney's Citizen K, K not Kane. Um, we have Alexander Nanu's The uh, Collective. We have Alan Zweig's Coppers. We have... Um, Patricio uh, Guzman's The Cordelia of uh, Dreams. We have Ala Kovgin's Cunningham. We have Bryce Dallas Howard's Dads. We have Barbara Koppel's uh, Desert One. We have I Am Not Alone. Gosh, I get- Sorry about that, everyone. I got a text message on my laptop and it crashed the <laughs> the things. My laptop's running the beta of the new like uh, Mac OS, and it's just it makes it sound like a jet engine's taking off, and then sometimes it like chugs a little bit because it's an older laptop, but uh, it gets the job done and we're back. Uh, I think when we brought up. Um, ron howard <laughs> um, everything crashed it just yeah. gave up uh, i forget where i was um dads by bryce dallas howard barbara Copples, desert one uh garen hovanis i am not alone uh lena al abed's uh 
Ibrahim, A Fate to Define, Laura Greenfield's The Kingmaker, Alan uh, Berliner's uh, Letter to the Editor, uh, Eva Mulvad's Love Child, Kareem Sayad's My English Cousin, Hind Medeb, uh, Paris Stalingrad, uh, Andrew Renzi's uh, Ready for War, Gabe Polsky's Red Penguins, uh, Thomas Balmes a Sing Me a Song, uh, Ellen Page and uh, Ian Daniels There's Something in the Water, Young Chang's uh, This Is Not a Movie, uh, Mark Cousins' Woman Make Film, uh, A New Road Movie Through Cinema, and that is your documentary lineup. Eric, you're the doc guy. What do you yes, think? Yes. Uh, so, um, dads. <laughs> uh, yeah. Are you actually genuinely curious no. about dads or no? No. To me, it reads and looks like an ABC special. And it's just nepotism, the movie. Yeah, it bothers it, like... me because there were probably like four or five other films that were on a short list. That didn't get in. That didn't get in that could have been worthy of it and it's like nothing against Bryce i mean you Dallas don't know Howard. if the movie I, I mean, is yeah i don't I, sight unseen but like i don't know it just it feels like the, again like it could have gone to another film or filmmaker right you know like this is like here- i could understand it playing at like hot docs because hot docs is you know doc, doc specific yeah. and and they have sort of a, a wider range of films and you know, there's only there's only so many slots for this program that it's like you have to really pick and choose and like sort of represent like what do you think the best movies are to play at this festival and and that's obviously up to Tom Powers and and I don't know I mean again like who knows like Dad's could be a, a, a really charming enjoyable movie but it just again like it feels like as you said nepotism and just a it doesn't necessarily belong in the category of, you know, of some of these other films. So, yeah. Um, you know me, I'm not really the doc, uh, person. It's just not, I weirdly just, I like them when I watch them and I've talked about this numerous times, but I just, I really struggle to like actually put one on or sit down and watch one. So, right. Uh, depending on if you tell me something's excellent, I'll pick it up. Well, or... I like Barbara Koppel, um, who directed uh, Harlan County, USA, uh, back in the the nineteen seventies, and and um, uh, won the Oscar for for that film. So um, the tr- the the Capote tapes kind of interest me because I think Truman Capote is one of those very uh, polarizing figures, but also extremely interesting. And Cold Blood is one of my favorite. Uh, nonfiction texts, so I'd be kind of interested to see what they've put together for you know a, a, an archival piece on him. Um, although he's also extremely annoying. <laughs> um, and then the documentary on on women from Mark Cousins kind of sounds interesting, but I think it's fourteen hours long. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's one of those because again? well, it's 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 sort of looking um, at the history yeah. of women, but told from a male filmmaker yeah just come on but he he's done a lot of these documentaries where it's like the history of film and like hones in on one specific thing and he's had a few of his other movies play at the festival that are also they'll be divided into segments parts and then they'll do one day where they'll show the whole thing to you usually but um cool uh and then finally the tiff cinematech program uh if you guys aren't familiar with the cinematech program it's uh 
when they show usually um, new releases or new versions of older films, or sometimes there's new just transfers, a, new transfers. Like Venice sometimes announced, it's an old print um, or something like that, which was not on the, on the list. David Cronenberg's Crash, right? Yes, which has a new 4K edition uh, that will be playing in Venice. Cool. So for the TIFF Cinematheque program, we have uh, Yuzhan Palsy's A Dry White Season, Robert Brasson's uh, Pickpocket, uh, Pablo Lorraine's No, Herbert Ross's The Last of Sheila, and Martin Scorsese's The Last Waltz. So uh, The Last Waltz makes perfect sense because they're playing the new Robbie Robertson uh, doc. Yep. Um the Last of Sheila. Is... That's a concert film about the band. Yeah, so is that's it? their yeah. last concert. Oh, okay. So this was like this big thing in the in the late 1970s where they were parting ways and the band was going to be no longer. So they were doing one last concert, and Scorsese was the one that uh, directed it. And that's where you first met Ro- uh, Robbie Robertson. So it's the programming is obviously coinciding with um, the newer stuff. So also. Uh, the Last of Sheila, um, which is with uh, John Houston, um, is going to be introduced by uh, Ryan Johnson, who has Knives Out at the festival. Because it's also a whodunit, or yeah, but it's very like it's. I've only, I've never I've never seen it. I've only heard of it through Reputation, but okay. it's like one of those like I can't believe this movie was made and it's kind of been forgotten about ever since. So. Um, Dry White Season recently got a Blu-ray release on Criterion, um, uh, got Marlon Brando an Oscar nomination for Supporting Actor. To deal, It deals with the apartheid in South Africa. Um, what else was there? Sorry, I closed it. Uh, Pablo Lorraine's No. Oh, and there, again, so Pablo Lorraine has Emma. So No is going to be uh, also, you know coinciding with his new yeah. movie and and i actually really like no quite a bit it's shot in uh academy aspect ratio and it's about propaganda and and sort of uh making a psa that actually has an impact on voting okay cool and then pickpocket oh yeah robert Bussan's pickpocket which is one of uh uh my favorite uh movies about thieves or sort of about the the idea of of people taking things from from others in, in in France and it's one of those it's short it's like 76 minutes but he actually worked with real pit pockets so he was one of those guys that blend uh you know fiction documentary and fiction yeah together and um great film also available on uh, blu-ray through criterion cool yeah and i think that wraps up this edition of tick TikTok. TikTok? <laughs> oh, that's on my mind. Uh, if people don't know, I work on that during the week. Uh, Tiff Talk 2019. That was mid- Dad's edition. <laughs> that was Midnight Madness Platform Discovery and Docs. So as of right now, uh, I think we're pretty close to having the full lineup, right? Like the schedule comes out uh, late. 22nd? Yeah, the l- late August. Yeah. And then um, with that, we'll get the last announcements of uh galas and special presentations there's no more there's no other masters masters the masters and we got contemporary world cinema or we've just got television what about television oh that yeah they're still doing that aren't they (laughs) (laughs) um as you can tell i'm not a tv person usually so well but Um, we did see the black mirror episodes and and i wish i saw nirvana the band the show that would have been good uh 
Yeah, we did. I don't... And, and IMAX. I'm not against it, yeah. Um, I'm not against... I remember we bought sandwiches. What was that sandwich place that's on uh, uh, Richmond? That... Ooh, Sandwich Box. Yeah, because we went there first. That was good. This year we'll Why have to... do I to... remember this stuff? Well, I mean, Tiff, you got to scope out what's what's good during the... Uh... I want to go to that spaghetti place. I keep, I don't know what oh. it, what it where it is. It's on John Street where... Um, near the Hooters... Uh, I'll show you after this. I forget the name of it, but there's a pasta place there now. Nevis was telling me about a like a, a veggie bowl kind of place that's well, called Imperfect Foods. I think. That's yeah. Well, what you need to do is you need to follow Nevis's uh, food blog, food blog, and her uh, Instagram. What's the what's Forks and Nevis on so, Instagram? Yes, that's where um, you need to go to find out all the new hot spots in Toronto. In Tirana during the festival. Maybe she should do a festival eats she should. spotlight. I'd, um, I'd pay attention. Yeah, because like, there's not a lot of good takeout options. It's getting better, like quick food, because I know we would struggle. Like Everywhere's like a sit-down. Right. Like I mean, we had Cows on Road before um, a screening we had last week, right? I forget what the hell we even went to go see. <laughs> the food was great the, the food was the, really the good the curry was amazing um the food was excellent and we had cows on road there's sushi kibo sushi near there there's lots of good stuff so excited for the festival we'll keep you guys posted each week probably on whatever announcements are coming out uh now oh, Hobbs and shaw it was oh right see it's already eliminated from my brain um those potatoes in that uh that curry oh my god excellente all right moving on to the news this week um taika waititi is gonna sneak in a little fox searchlight film before he works on thor uh love and thunder next year uh so uh taika has uh signed on to uh, do a narrative adaptation of the 2015 documentary next goal wins uh, this is from, I'm reading from uh, uh, Adam Chitwood's article on Collider, um, which told the story of American Samoa soccer team, uh, or un-American Samoa soccer Dutch, team. And uh, a Dutch coach, I believe? Or is it Danish? It's a great question. I don't know. Uh, but Andy Serkis is producing, and with Jonathan Cavendish of Imaginarium Productions, um and Garrett Bash Bach is producing. So uh Searchlight he's gonna shoot it in the fall before he works on Thor Love and Thunder. Taika is like I hope he just doesn't if he I don't want him to burn himself out. Like it feels like he's cause he's gonna be doing pr- promotion for Jojo Rabbit as well, right? And then I'm sure well, look he's, at, I mean he's gonna be at a couple film festivals in, in September. Yeah, he's getting an award then, at TIFF. Yeah, he'll be doing promo for Jojo and then he'll go straight into I think they said November yeah. this would start. And then early two thousand uh or twenty twenty is when he's doing uh Thor Love and Thunder, right? So he's just yeah. he's just going from one thing to the next. Hey, I mean he must like working, man, right? Like, well, no, uh, I, I, I I just I hope he's you know, again, like I just want the quality to be as good as, you know, him as a filmmaker, right? I, like, I don't no, want him. I to... have no doubt. But um, have you seen this doc or no? No, I haven't. Um, but again, like it seems like it's we've been talking a lot about this. Where now that Disney owns Fox Searchlight, it's a one for you, one for them kind of. Yeah, thing. I mean, I think our uh, prediction is coming true. This is kind of what I hoped they would be doing, um, and what I hope to see in the future is like. 
you can kind of keep i hate to say like keep them in the ecosystem or or them to own everyone but but this sounds um, more friend like this sounds more commercial or accessible than jojo rabbit i'd agree this sounds like more like a cool runnings kind of thing right like i think it's about a samoan uh soccer team that was trying to qualify for the 2014 fifa world cup yeah um and it's they were known from being one of the weakest football teams in the world so sounds up his alley and like um but this gives me hope that disney will flex their muscle with searchlight a little bit more in the sense of being like okay taika like we really want you to come back and do thor it seems like there was a rumor that he's already completed the script for it so he must have been working on it probably immediately after um ragnarok but um but them to give someone like him a little bit of cash to go make a small, even though, like you said, it does seem a little bit more commercial than something like Jojo Rabbit. Um, yeah, like an underdog story. Right. Feel but good at film. least it's still giving me hope that they'll give them a chunk of change to make a kind of smaller film that on their terms kind of thing. Yeah. Um, now, Terrence, Terrence Malick, we uh, we bought your 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 new uh, World War Two pacifist. So film. now you have to make Alpha Flight. For yes, us. Uh, Alpha Flight, or you know what? We're gonna give you Blade. Yeah, <laughs> Terrence um, Malick's Blade. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm obviously very into this. I'm excited for Jojo Rabbit. Uh, we were looking on Tiffer before this. It seems like one of the most popular films on Tiffer right now. Um, and I think his profile has been elevated. St- obviously he because he's such a character himself um after the success of ragnarok right well ragnarok and also what we do in the shadows both the film playing here and also the tv series on yeah but i would still say that that's still more of it's uh, it's niche and it's like it's like a, a cult fan base but like i feel like even that is still bringing more attention to him yeah agreed and i mean even him showing up in Endgame and getting a credit, right? Like yeah, and he's supposed like, to be like the main villain or has a, a big role in uh, that Ryan Reynolds. Movie. Yeah, so yeah. Free Guys or something. Like yeah, that. where he plays like a, a NPC, a non-playable character in a video game. Yeah, um, so that's interesting. Uh, I wonder how that will turn out. Who's directing that? I think it's um, oh, what's his name, uh, Sean Levy. Oh, okay. Uh, I just double check. I think that. you're. I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, anyways, excited for this, uh, and I hope that Disney continues that. Even with smaller filmmakers, like Taika's elevated, obviously, his profile, but I hope some of, like, a Chloe Zhao or a... It is Sean like, Levy. Yeah, which, whatever. Um, like, what I'm saying is, like, some of these filmmakers that made a couple indie films, and then they bring them into the Marvel Universe, or maybe Lucasfilm, or something like that, and then they give them a good chunk of money to make something either original or adapt something that's a little smaller right? right it's like what Soderbergh always talks about the one for you one for them kind of thing yeah and I hope they continue with that uh Edgar writes last night in Soho gets a uh September 2020 release date uh hashtag right? tiff 2020 yeah I already was gonna tweet that I, did I tweet it I, I forget, tweeted it but did you yeah uh that yeah but it's a UK release date correct it'll start but... it'll probably be around the same time like yeah. if if sometimes they get it a couple weeks early or yeah something like that. and if they feel that the movie is of quality that they will have it for Is the it a festival horror run. movie or yeah. a thriller or a pure horror movie. Well, he said that his main inspiration or like the, the film that he he's using as sort of like the, the description of is 
um, Roman Polanski's Repulsion. Okay. So, and that is, a, I mean, it's a psychological horror, but it's still a horror movie. Right. And I know that Edgar uh, has Edgar Wright has been saying that, like, he's wanted to make, like, a legitimate horror movie now for a while. And, like, don't. almost, in, well, since Don't. Like, yeah. Don't was the thing, like, he was like, I want to do something that is, and I'm not, in, like, Shaun of the Dead does have horror in it, horror elements. But there, I'm not just it's saying, a like, it's a comedy. But, yeah. like, it's a, it's, a, it's a hybrid where this is, like, a pure horror film. Cool. I'm very excited. I could see it showing up in Midnight Madness next year if it is a horror movie. Or maybe it's a special presentation, much like a Knives Out or something like that. Yeah. If it's got a late September release date, I can't imagine they wouldn't try to scoop that up. Super excited. Good cast, Uh, too. We can move on to... Oh, yeah. Who's in it? Anya Taylor-Joy, Thomasin McKenzie, Terrence Stamp, and Diana Rigg. Nice. Uh, Oh, and a shot by... uh... Uh, Chung Hu Cho or Chung Hoon Chung, who is the uh, usual cinematographer for um, Park Chan Wook, and also shot the last It movie. Awesome. Uh, Benioff and Weiss finally signed their new uh, overall deal, and they landed at Netflix. So, and then HBO canceled their Confederate series, yeah, uh, which I is mean, probably for the best. Probably for the best. Um. I mean, the streaming wars are on, man. Like, we don't have this in the news because it doesn't really apply to Canada, but Disney Plus came out and and Bob Iger in their, I think it was Bob Iger, uh, came out in their investors meeting saying that they were going to package ESPN Plus, Hulu, and Disney Plus for the same price that you can get Netflix $12.99, which is crazy. And then um, Disney was down to the final, I think, couple people. I think it was Amazon, Disney, and uh, Netflix, the three heavy hitters when it came to Benioff and Weiss. And it's a film and television deal, overall deal. Um, But don't they also have the deal with Disney for the Star Wars? Yes. So they have some previous commitments. So they have some television and TV commitments, which obviously they made before this deal. Yeah. so obviously they'll still be executive producing all of the Game of Thrones spinoffs at HBO. Uh, that means they probably won't have much involvement in any of that other than their names. Uh, and then they have that trilogy set up at Lucasfilm for Star Wars. Um, but again, who knows with any right. of that? Uh, well, it's also just strange that, like, I mean, I I know Netflix is you know trying to get as many uh creators because they got shonda rhimes and ryan murphy and now they have i get those i get those showrunners but with them it's like they haven't really created anything of their own they just adapted game of thrones right like they're not necessarily like other than game of thrones they haven't really done anything else where like you know the shonda rhimes and uh Grimes? 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 grimes 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 Shonda Rhimes, I think. Shonda Rhimes, the one who created Grey's Anatomy. Yes, and right. many, many other right. shows, yeah. And Ryan Murphy, like, they ha- they have created all these IPs and, and they're, oh, they're brand almost, on their They're on like themselves. auteurs in themselves yeah. when it comes to television, right? Like, you know, uh, uh, I'm going to fuck, it. I hope it's Shonda Rhimes or we're, we don't watch the, no. uh, those shows, but, or Ryan Murphy. But I'm like, surprised how long Grey's Anatomy, like, Grey's Anatomy is still going. going. It's like... <laughs> 38 seasons i don't know it's like, like the coronation street of american television it's uh ridiculous um i'm gonna look it up now not list of Grey's anatomy cast members um shonda rhymes i was correct shonda rhymes what uh, what other shows has she created uh so she uh is 
how to get away with murder off the map the catch scandal uh private practice uh so lots of stuff on abc and a lot of those seem like they're spinoffs right because private yeah. practice is a spinoff of, of gray's anatomy. anatomy and then you have then scandal is um scandal just an original series. or maybe scandal and how to get away with murder are like in the same universe possibly because i think there was a crossover between carrie washington and viola davis so uh gray's anatomy private practice off the map scandal how to get away with murder the catch Still star-crossed Is the catch for the, the people. baseball show? Yes. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> uh, we're really bad with television shit. Uh, but agreed. Uh, sorry, I, I lost my train of thought there. Yeah, they those guys have, yeah, like you said, multiple television shows that span different yeah, like I understand, like I understand like investing in them, and and but I just don't understand this duo specifically. Yeah, because like it makes more sense with the Star Wars thing because okay, yeah. they want something big and epic like Game of Thrones, and you can. But what do they have to bring to to Netflix? That's like like original. I know I know. Um, but they could adapt. Author, they could like, adapt I mean, he wrote, other things um, too. He, I mean, his he wrote both the book and the screenplay to 25th hour. So I'm sure maybe he has his own stuff that he could work. I'm from. sure. Or they might pick up Netflix could purchase something and get them to adapt it as well. Right. right? It's so. just, that it's a lot of money. Oh yeah. It was a ton of money. Like it's so. what? 200 million. It's ridiculous. I don't know what it is, but um, just ridiculous. It's large. Uh, and then speaking of Ryan Murphy, we can go into uh, the next American crime story, which was uh, announced, which is impeachment uh, American crime story. Oh, I I did start watching uh, The People vs. O.J. Simpson. Did you ever watch yeah. that? Did you like it? Yeah, I did. Okay, cool. Because it looks really good. I watched the first episode. Or yeah, first well, episode. I mean, I watched it right after um, the doc. Uh, o- yeah, O.J. Made in America. And uh, it's pretty faithful like even though it's still kind of soap opera but like the yeah, whole situation style. was yeah. like ridiculous to begin with it was a shit show and like i actually really like like uh david schwimmer uh as uh rob kardashian like calling him the juice and and yeah. stuff like that I, i'm excited to finish watching it because i only watched a little bit of like the first episode but i liked it um i'm not a huge ryan murphy fan neither am i um i don't like american like, horror no story neither do i but are you intrigued by 1984 at all the next one like uh, with the slasher thing or do you think it's like i don't i, I mean i love i love that's what i mean stuff, and right and especially just, like never, 80s slasher film kind of thing. yeah i've never came. gotten into any of his stuff that way so, other than american crime story i think 1984 might be the first american horror story i actually jump into right. and like maybe watch but um Anyways, impeachment, uh, which will obviously cover, not obviously, but uh, will cover uh, the Bill Clinton's impeachment uh, and the, the scandal with Monica, Monica Lewinsky. Lewinsky. And Monica Lewinsky is actually a producer, a producer on it. Yes. So, yeah. uh, so the role of Clinton has yet to be cast, uh, but Beanie Feldstein, from you, you guys might know from Booksmart or Lady Bird, is playing Monica Lewinsky. Um, and uh sarah paulson will obviously be involved uh she will be playing uh linda tripp and anna lee ashford will be playing paula jones the rest of the cast has not been announced yet right yeah because i know with um sarah paulson she also has the other ryan murphy show that's going to be on netflix uh soon which is uh the nurse ratchet um 
se- prequel series. Yeah. Uh, from uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Okay. So cool. she's playing the uh, that role, that um, uh, Louise Flesher role. Um, I'm curious about it. It's interesting because I, I really like um, uh, the O.J. Simpson series. I haven't watched the Versace series yeah, yet. I, I do want to see it, though. Um, and then they were going to do Katrina. Katrina, and then they scrapped that. Yeah, they said they have a bunch of ideas. The Katrina one just didn't really work out. And right. then for me, what's in... I mean, I like these anthology series that he's doing, even though American Horror Story eventually, I think, kind of tied into different seasons and different things like that. But I like the idea of that you can just jump in if a topic in- interests you and you don't have to watch every season. Like, So the Versace one, I might not have any interest in, but the Bill Clinton one I might or if I actually have some knowledge about it or or something that I actually so I'm intrigued by this but uh, and the OJ one I'm intrigued by but the Katrina one didn't interest me at all and I'm curious to see what other American crime stories that they might be working on too what what else do you think could be well um, I mean I I was I was always thinking like with uh, OJ they were gonna do stuff that was specific to like court cases but that it's not necessarily the case. Like it's that's not necessarily the court no. case. Um, but I guess it's just sort of infamous. Uh, yeah, scandals, scandals, and and because I mean, yeah, like cover up, cover up stuff like that. So I mean, like I, I think also I mean, the, impeachment is, is the, partly it's it's prescient because of what's going on right. now. Oh, eventually, he could make the, what's going right. On but now, I also feel but... that it like impeachment will sort of reflect what's kind of going on now because like there, I mean. Obviously, like with people talking about wanting to impeach Trump, there were videos on Twitter of like Lindsey Graham back in the 90s wanting to impeach Clinton for uh, the sex scandal and stuff like that. So like obviously like it's it's deliberate that they're doing this now for for that reason. Um, I'm trying to think like what would make a good story. I mean, like there's stuff that I think if they could actually get the rights to or, or, or could clear like something like Michael Jackson even. Right. Like, right. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how, like where the sensitivity comes into play because it is also playing a lot of it up like a melodrama. Yeah. It's glamorized, not glamorizing, but yeah, like you said, it's kind of, but it kind of, it, it's, it's also turning it into it, entertainment. Yeah. Right? But I mean the, the whole OJ thing made sense because like it was like this Such circus onto yeah. itself. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think like what like I'm sure somebody's screaming into the mic suggestions. Yeah, tweet right us now. if yeah. you guys have any uh, ideas. Um, but I like Beanie Feldstein a lot. I'm I'm curious about this one. Yeah, um, yeah. it's interesting as well. Like a- after um, Booksmart that she's doing who will like uh, who will play Clinton? Right. Well, I remember with um, the HBO movie, the special relationship. It was uh, Dennis Quaid. Okay, <laughs> yeah. maybe bring him back. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, guess what? We're getting more reboots on Disney+. Plus. We are getting reboots of Home Alone, Night at the Museum, and Diary of a Wimpy Kid. I might be missing one more, but uh, those are the three that stood out. Um, oh, and Cheaper by the Dozen was the other one. Uh, all coming to Disney+. Plus. Macaulay Culkin put out a funny tweet of being like... This was he is... on Rhett and Link recently? He was. Did you yeah. see that? that was no, good. I didn't. I don't like it when there's a guest the, on. Neither do I usually, but Macaulay Culkin I kind of had to watch. Right. Um, and uh, 
so he put out a tweet being like, this is what Home Alone would look like now. And it was just him and his belly hanging out with like, <laughs> like uh, delivery on the couch. And well, just... it'd be great if it was a Saw prequel. Maybe that's what Chris Rock's <laughs> idea is. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I guess we, we were due for something like this, like a Home Alone reboot. Like, yeah, there was all those really bad sequels. And uh, well, one has uh, part three has Scarlett Johansson in it. Right. Yeah, that is weird. Um, yeah, I'm I mean, I think Home Alone out of all of those, probably uh, I'm I'm not against uh, updating it or, or making a, a new version. But again, it's just. Can we bring back Joe Pesci? That would be amazing. Uh, but it's we're just, the wet bandits. Yeah. I hope that they at least do something. I don't know. I I don't even know what I'm saying. I don't right. Know. Well, no. It just it feels like well they have this catalog or the, these titles now. So why not? You know, I think we're quoting ourselves from the last episode. Throw uh, the meatball at the wall or yeah, whatever, see whatever I said. Sticks. <laughs> yeah. Just throw the spaghetti at the wall and see what meatballs stick. Um. But yeah, I could see out of all of them, Home Alone being the most successful one, especially if they do also set it around christmas again holiday movies do well no matter what so right yeah i think home like the other ones i never even i never even saw cheaper by the dozen or night at the museum or any of those those are all fox properties right yeah they're Um, all fox right these are all fox yes so now they're making them disney properties. yeah sean levy's cheaper by the dozen one and two and then there was based on an, uh, an original one as well so um I mean, Cheaper by the Dozen could, I guess, be an okay sitcom. Like, it could be, like, a series. Do you series. think these will be films or turn some of them into series? I could see, or... I could see Cheaper by the Dozen being a series. Um, it actually might suit it. Like, that could be a decent Disney series. Like, not that I would be interested in it, but, like, if you were going to make that into a half an hour um, ongoing series, that one would probably suit it best. Um, <laughs> coming from our buddy... Uh, not our buddy, we're shit-talking him, Jeff Snyder at Collider. Um, he says, the first home... Oh, no, wait, where was it? Uh, as far as these development projects go, the only one I've heard rumblings about is the reimagining of Home Alone, which could turn the tables and follow a husband and wife who go to war with a young boy who has stolen something from them. What? Uh, word on the street is that Borat scribe Dan Mazur is the top choice to direct, and M- Melissa McCarthy is being eyed to star. But that's everything. You know who could air. play the kid? Hear me out. Home Alone with Post Malone. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> uh, a couple uh, pieces of news on the Eternals. Um, casting. Casting. Uh, uh, Barry, uh, what, how do you pronounce his last name? Kogan, uh, might be joining the Eternals as well as Gemma Chan, uh, who might be one of the leads and is not playing, possibly not playing the same character character she played played in Captain Marvel. So now we have Marvel cosmic confusion. I, I don't, I never understand that part. I mean, right? not, like, not that like the, like the average movie goer is going to really notice, notice that, but we will, because that'll drive us nuts. Yeah. Especially cause yeah, I mean, I mean, it was like, it's it, like, you I had a cause. She played a cosmic character in Captain Marvel. Yeah. And in a recent movie and it wasn't like, I understand the recasting of 
Chris Evans and Michael B. Jordan because they were out of they were they were Marvel they were not Marvel not Studios the same movies. universe yeah. right but we've had this before but like usually they're playing either the same character or a descendant of the first character or something like that right too, right because what's his name showed up in Homecoming and he was in Captain America right the principal oh um, uh, yeah yeah uh, uh, I, I want to say Justin name, sorry. Because uh, okay. he's in, a, he's in a, uh, American uh, Crime Story. He's the judge. Okay, is he? In, yeah. In, in the OJ. Yeah. I'm gonna um, look it up while you. Uh, but you talk. I don't like the recasting in the. I don't know. I just don't get it. There's a lot of actors. Do you really need to cast someone who was playing just last year <laughs> or this year? <laughs> what well, also goes to show like how much of like a waste that some of the supporting roles are and it's like yeah you could just bring in this person again to have a different role and she was blue in that movie she could have just like that could have been anyone anyways but um, kenneth choi kenneth, kenneth choi. choi yeah because yeah. he played one of the howling commandos right yeah. and and then he, but his character in homecoming was like the grandson of that character or whatever right stupid but yeah. at least whatever well it's like when martin um, martin store star shows up right. in uh like is like in like a second of Incredible Hulk, who has a has the pizza that Norton gives him, and then it's right. like yeah, that was also the, the same, same character. character. He was right. just in college at that point. Yeah, um, like I like when they do things like that. But I guess uh, back to um, the Dunkirk kid. Uh, Dunkirk kid. Yeah, Barry Kino Kio. What you Kogan. say? Kogan. Kogan. <laughs> of killing of a sacred deer. I like his face. He has a unique look. He looks like Joel Edgerton. Um, he does. Yeah, you brought that up. Um, uh, cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it's 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 interesting that I, I think you know Gemma Chan in the lead is kind of interesting because when they had that D not D twenty three the Comic Con announcement. It felt like that the cast was already set, everything was ready to go, and then bringing in these two new people, it's like, okay, so maybe they haven't gotten everything done yet, or like everything isn't like. Well, they're know. getting they're ramping up to start shooting now, yeah. right? But you think like if Gemma Chan was the lead, or one of the main parts, You'd she would have been it, yeah. announced at Comic Con. So that also makes me think that we'll get more news when D twenty three comes up. Okay. No, I was just saying, like, with D23, like, I think there's going to be... Why did I say okay? Sorry, I zoned out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah D23, you think that maybe they'll announce more... Maybe they'll say there's some additions to these uh, movies that we announced at Comic-Con, and then there are rumors that they could even announce Phase 5 then, right? Yeah. Um, which would be mostly sequel-heavy. Um, Guys, I... Chris Evans is playing Reed Richardson. <laughs> Imagine... Uh, no, uh, we might get announcements for Captain Marvel 2, Black Panther 2. Yeah, just um, dates, right? Guardians yeah. 3. Yeah. Suicide like Squad. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, and then talking about Marvel properties where people get cast as different superheroes, even though they've been superheroes before. Uh, Andy Serkis is confirmed to direct uh, Venom 2. Cool. Yeah. I've also heard that he might be in the Batman. Really? <laughs> I mean, that. It I mean, there's so many rumors yeah. on that, but. Although the thing um, I love the most about every time I go to the um, the Batman, I mean, that makes DVD sense. Page, I, guess. I don't know if you've seen um, Matt Reeves's uh, IMDb photo. It's him running with a camera. 
Okay. And I no, just I laugh haven't. at it every time I, I see lo- it. I love Matt Reeves. I do too, and but like, you got to see that photo. It's I could see good. Andy Serkis popping up playing... I could see him playing a CG character or playing... I, yeah. Venom? God, I don't know. I'm so tired right now. <laughs> I don't know why. Let's we've wrap that, this fucking thing up. We've hit that wall. <laughs> yeah, let's wrap this fucking thing up. I don't care about Venom too. So I like Andy Serkis. I like Tom Hardy. I The first Venom is a nightmare. What um, One thing we have to do though... We need to go see it at that Brooklyn right. uh, Alamo Draft sure. House again. Because even though I hated watching Venom, <laughs> I have this weird like fondness of it because, because we of saw that. it at that yeah. theater. I agree with you completely. Um, but I have no other comments other than that. Um, all right. That pretty much wraps up this episode of the Untitled Movie Podcast. Thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. If you've lasted two hours and 13 minutes and 24 seconds. Uh you are a crazy person. I don't know why you would want to listen to this, but <laughs> thank yeah, you. Especially the last 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, where we're just like, eh, whatever, this shit, this shit. I'm going to eat some Cinnamon Toast Crunch and then take a shower and then go to my fiance's mother's birthday dinner. Um, so that's the rest of my night. Eric, what are you doing? I'm going to go home and watch a movie and sit in my underwear. Cool. Sounds amazing. Um, if you guys like this, we do another podcast called the untitled movie reviews, which you guys should make sure you subscribe to before TIFF, because we will be doing daily roundups of all the films that we, uh, we've already started getting some invites. It's getting to the point where it's it's going to happen. Spicy. Um, we have a review up for loose right now, which you guys can check out and we'll have reviews in the future for, um, good boys, uh, Angel is falling. Ready or not. <laughs> Ready or not. Uh, that'll round out the rest of August before we get into the festival. What are we going to do uh, with it? Uh, probably put it on one of our TIFF roundups, to be honest. Like, <laughs> uh, we're going to see it opening night of TIFF, so I feel like our first impressions of it will probably be on day one of our TIFF roundup, even though it's not officially part of the program. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, and then I don't think we'll have a f- separate review of it unless we have time and we can do 20 minutes and put it up on I its own. I think it'll be 20 but... minutes, though, because I, I do have a lot to... Well, for a three-hour movie and that you have a lot of comparisons to the book and yeah. things like that. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. It might be in the roundup, but we'll figure that out when it gets closer uh, to the release. Okay, guys, uh, as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work around the interwebs, uh, mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com, and you can follow me on all of the social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. I'm usually bumming around Twitter and Letterboxd. And I'm Eric Marchin. Uh, you can find more of my reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at em6211. Uh, until next time, uh, we are Venom. <laughs> Tiff Talk 2019, dads.